get it going. It's time to get up. Folk on the way. And it is good. With zeros on the clock, Nick Folk. The field goal from 51 yards away. And that's how the Jets fall to 0-9. These guys are here to break it all down. I think it's pretty clear from the facts that Mr. Lunau failed to discharge that obligation. He damaged the game, and as a result, he was disciplined. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Well, you know what? You guys get lost. This is the starting lineup with James Savolsky and Perry Solkowski. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is uh, Tuesday, November the 10th. James Savolsky here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack just kicking it on the other side of the glass. This is the starting lineup here on your home of Vancouver hockey, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, crash. Well, it sums it up. L-O-S-E. Yeah. Hey, it provided, it. I, you know, usually on a Monday, I've got enough time to make sure, hey, I'm, I'm going to watch some football for a while, cap off the week. Busy yesterday, but was able to get up there kind of mid-third quarter to see, really, the Jets are going to win this football game. Hey, it was entertaining. Anytime you have a football game when you've got a chance, you know, both teams, last possessions could be the difference. Can the Jets put it away? Cam Newton, can he figure something out with really – not a whole bunch of offensive weapons. I'm all on board for the Jets to go over for the year. I want a team, if you're halfway through, may as well lose it all. Put up that goose egg. I admire that more than having a 1-15 season. I, You know, see, I, 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 I disagree. Uh, I'm, I'm, like the car crash, like, don't, you don't empathize for a team? Like, that's a heartbreaking loss for the Jets. Now, did they gift that away? Yeah. Did they have horrible clock management down the stretch? Yeah. Did they have too many men on the field with about six minutes to go on a special teams play? Yeah. Did they allow a sack at a critical time late in the game? Yeah. But I still empathize for the Jets, man. Like, there's a hard luck franchise, and they're just getting their ass kicked this year. Well, is it hard luck, or do they bring it upon themselves? I mean, when you've got bad franchises, did you feel bad for your Ottawa Senators over the last couple years? Or did they just make some stupid moves? And you go, hey, man, look, right from your owner down, you guys are a mess. And when you don't win hockey games and people don't care about you, you've brought it upon yourself because now they've kind of turned that tide. Don't you think the Jets have brought this upon themselves with some of their decisions? Oh, over the last I mean, it, 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 right? sure. I mean, look, you know, Melnick's a clown of an owner, I would say, in Ottawa. But at the same time, like, you can bring that back to the Canucks. Like, are, did you want to see the Canucks lose every game as they were going through a rebuild? I'm sure somebody listening right now is saying, yeah, absolutely. You wanted, to, wanted the first overall pick. And how did that work in the lottery luck, right? But, like, did you did you cheer for the Canucks to try to lose every game? No. Like, well, like at some point, it just gets – it's it's like the old throw in the towel, right? It's like Rocky and Apollo, right? You know, throw it in. You know, Apollo's getting killed by Drago here. Throw in the towel. Stop it, right? There's a little bit like – Braveheart, man. He's getting tortured, right? Mercy, mercy. Like, there's a certain point when a team's 0-9, you're kind of like, no, nah, man, you want to see somebody get their ass kicked each and every week? I don't know. Is that fun television? Well, if, if you, if, you know. If, Sounds if like it cover, for you. Sure. <laughs> if they cover, sure. Like, they were plus nine yesterday. There's some Jets fans that were thrilled. Oh, they kept it close. Man. We should have won, and we covered. 
Uh, no, listen, from a distance, hey, I, if you're a Jets fan, yeah, heartbreak. I got a buddy who just lives and dies and is just like, wow, here we are. It took like one half in the first season this year to show that we're terrible again. How does Adam K still have a job? Uh, who was it? Barry Wilburn had told us they have had the fired story done since like week three and he survives. And hey, that was their most competitive game. I think today people in New York, go, man, we were close, gave it away. But we're close. We're going to win a few games on the back end. And then you're not going to have Trevor Lawrence in the draft. I, from a distance, yeah, that that's would be why a I cheer thing. for them to lose. I'm not invested. Yeah, that would be a Jets thing. But at this point, man, like the way I, – I sometimes wonder, is it the New York media that's doing this? But as much as Trevor Lawrence – like Trevor Lawrence in New York would be a good thing, wouldn't he? I mean, he just seems well, to have so. a temperament and a, and a personality and a persona made for New York. And now all of a sudden, like the narrative has shown up in the last month or so, like uh, maybe Trevor Lawrence is thinking about staying another year in Clemson. Like, would you really risk I, at this stage? Like, would you really risk that with that much money that's potentially on the line for you, in a, in the media capital of the world? Like, is there well, a bigger? Did... I mean, I guess you could make a case for Hollywood, but man, New York is where it's at. Like, if you can be a rock star in New York, you can make it. Like, go ask Joe Namath, man. Joe Namath was a 500 quarterback, his one loss record. But that dude was as cool a cucumber you will find 51 years ago and guaranteed victory and won and has lived on that for, you know, what, 50-plus years now. What does that say about that city football-wise, that he is kind of still the name? And part of that is because when he won Super Bowls, the guy who was leading you, Eli Manning, is just not that personality. But you're right. Joe Namath's name is still recognizable for every generation because of what he did and, more importantly, where he did it. So it just shows you the void that football fans have had, specifically the Jets fans, for that long. Uh, and the Giants fans, I would say Michael Strahan, for what he has done afterward, is probably the big football name related to New York. But you are right. The dude, dude, wait, the wait, 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 wait. You cannot skip Joe, Joe Namath to Michael Strahan. And forget, like, maybe the most iconic New York football name ever. Who? In there. Who? Lawrence freaking Taylor. Ah, two Super Bowls, what? man. Criminal, Come on. What, what the tuna. Bill Parcells. Pardon me? No. no are you, ca- are you kidding me? Are you Criminal kidding me? Lawrence Taylor might be the greatest defensive player in the history of the sport. And you're, ah, what are you drinking this morning? No, I did listen. I did forget LT, and he was great. But I don't know. Did he have that personality to take over? Yes. Why do you, you know. Yes, he was Lawrence Taylor, man, the most disruptive force yeah, in he, he NFL history. Gracious. Oh Why man! Why go through Lawrence Taylor's off-field issues? And people overlooked that because he was that good. Right? Yes. LT got suspended and he was still lovable. And he came back. Here's the other thing. With all those issues, even when he got suspended, he came back and won another Super Bowl. Right? Like, LT was a monster. He was a winner. Two Super Bowls. He was a winner. But I still don't think he had the profile and the spotlight that a Joe Namath has. Oh, my God. Eli Manning didn't have that personality. And so the stage is there for Trevor Lawrence. Right? In that city... You know, Mark Messier still carries a big mantle. 
It is New York, and from a football perspective, they haven't had their Derek Jeter to go, okay, carry it for a long, long time. And Derek Jeter, and by mean that, I mean squeaky clean. Here's the image. Here's the role model. Oh, they got LT. We'll line up behind LT. He'll get the job done. But I still think Joe Namath probably carries a bigger mantle in 50 years than anybody else in that Oh, my God. Just because of what he did. Oh, my God. Lauren, you a big you're LT just fan, like weren't sweep you? it. You're sweeping Lawrence Taylor under the rug like this. I cannot believe it. I'm sweeping him under the rug. I'm just saying <laughs> when of. I want my when I want my sports heroes, I want them to be a little cleaner than Lawrence Taylor. Uh, you're you're pumping. You're putting. You're building a statue of Joe Namath, who basically was walking around getting drunk every day and hooking up with women. <laughs> right back then, it was free. Back then, it was free love. <laughs> Oh, here we go, everybody. It is uh, Tuesday, November 10th. Uh, here's what we got. We jam-packed uh, over the next three hours here. Uh, coming up uh, in just a couple minutes, we are going to talk to Adam Stanley, uh, Sportsnet Golf contributor. Uh, look ahead. Masters tees off in two days from now. Uh, so we'll uh, set the scene for Augusta. Already Sergio Garcia out because of a positive COVID test. Uh, we'll talk to Adam coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, we'll also talk – Todd Bertuzzi's back. Yeah, hopefully a kinder, gentler Bert. Yeah, hopefully we'll try not to incite too much. Uh, but that's coming up in uh, in an hour from now as well. The uh, head of BC Hockey, the new head of BC Hockey, Cameron Hope, will drop by at 7.30. Pair, a lot of people still trying to make sense of what Dr. Bonnie was, uh, was, was laying down on Saturday and then tried to clarify things yesterday. I mean, at this point in time, um, I think there's still some confusion and I think Dr. Bonnie basically saying, if you're unsure about what to do here, don't do it, right? They're just basically saying, yeah. everybody, tighten it up for the next two weeks. Give it two weeks. Give it two weeks. Tighten it up, and let's see if we can take care of this. Easy to say that. I mean, we got a uh, we got an email from our club yesterday saying nothing's open for the next two weeks. Here's when we're looking at going back. But we're in a different situation. We don't have kids involved in everything, so we will deal with that from a – hockey perspective too okay so does that mean you're just practicing and you're not playing games i think it's been tough for dr boyner to say without going hey we're locking it down shut it down without me telling you shut it down just shut it down for two weeks stay away from everything um but yeah it's the first time in the last three days james we've had this much ambiguity on okay well what do you mean i think we'll find out i mean have you've got have you've got word from your soccer uh, so community we got clarity. practicing yeah. what goes on tell us yeah so we got clarity last night that practices can resume this week but there's still un- we're still not sure whether or not games will be a go right so that that's a confusion there or at least not so much confusion because games are usually Saturdays for the boys and girls play on Sunday mm-hmm. um, so we're still waiting on that and I think some of the associations are still trying to figure out whether or not that's going to be a thumbs up or not, which, hey, I mean, in fairness, yes, you're outside, but at the same time, you know, they're basically telling you it's okay to go for a walk with one other person, but it's it's not okay no to go with a bunch of people. So, you know, what's the approach for soccer for an outdoor standpoint? BC Hockey, we'll talk to Cameron Hope about this pair. But BC Hockey is um, they can't, they're not playing games right now. They're not playing games mm-hmm. until further notice. So uh, there's two weeks off. I believe pro- uh, practices are allowed and they're okay. But you know, like you mentioned, spin Which classes. Which to me seems like no. a simple fix, doesn't it? No. Like I know Via Sports the one, but just if Doctor Henry has said, "Hey, we're gonna shut her down for two weeks." 
then why doesn't BC Hockey, why doesn't BC Soccer just say, FYI, all games are canceled, all your ice time, all your pitch time, you can go on and continue to practice, but we won't be playing any games until the end of November. Like, that seems like a simple fix. If you don't know now and it's Tuesday morning, like, what's going to change from Dr. Henry's message from what she said on Saturday and tried to clarify yesterday? Because I don't think associations want to do it. I mean, it's 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 still at the root of it. It's a it's business. Too bad. It's, I... I Pair, I, I don't disagree, but I think that there are a lot of associations that look at the bottom line, and I think that a lot of associations look at it saying, we want to play. We want to play. And, you know, I, I think, you know, you know, there's the backdrop of, oh, you know, let the kids play. I, I mean, I think there's probably for some, there are, there's, I mean, look at, like, Man, look at some of the the organization. We talked about some of the academies and some of the private clinics and groups that were going on that took some of the private ice times across Metro Vancouver that were up and running at a time that you know things weren't up and running for associations, right? And and everybody's sitting there waiting and going, "Hey, wait a minute! Like, how come these guys are kind of taking care of business and doing their own thing, right?" And then there's the other element of, well, we practice. We've got all these protocols in place to practice social distancing, and it's like, eh, you probably don't. Right. You know, like, I'm going to give you an example, like our, our association, like our associations, given the, you know, kind of, it's kind of from a soccer standpoint, they've got the field time for Remembrance Day tomorrow. The associations kind of said, look, we have the field time. We'd prefer that we recognize uh, Remembrance Day and kind of stand down, but we'll leave it to the coaches. And I guarantee you, the majority of coaches will choose to practice. Yeah, because they think they're the greatest coach in the world and they're going to make a difference to a 12-year-old and it's all about them rather than being smart of all things. You know, I can understand, oh, money, money, money. You know, most most of the associations have got their registration money. We're not talking about the elite athletes who might be renting ice time and they will go and practice and continue at specific academies. But so we have been asked by the, the leader, the health leader in this province to shut her down if you can for two weeks. Don't play any games and practice so your kids can go out and practice. If you can't figure it out as tomorrow is November 11th, that what we're being asked for now, which is less than 14 days for 10 or 11 days, just to don't gather with some people and be smart. If you can't make that sacrifice as tomorrow is the 11th of November, then you got some issues. Give your freaking head a shake and just shut her down if you have to. Is it that difficult for everybody? Hey, I'd love to. I'm going, what am I going to do today? I'd love to go to the gym. I'm a guy who uses facilities constantly six days out of seven. I go, oh, what am I going to do today? I'll figure something else out. It's a drag. We've got, uh, you know, we've got things going on around our house with uh, trying to do renovations. Eh, i got to pull a pin on that for a bit, but you can't have people in our house. That's a drag. But guess what? Figure it out, people. Is it that difficult for you to just take your kids to practice and not play a game against the community team and win 3-2 and be thrilled with it? You can do that in the beginning of December. I, I, would say, I, I don't disagree, Pear, but I think, I think people need their hands held in certain. Look at the man. Like there were video on city TV yesterday, like the lineups just to get into a Costco in Surrey. And they're talking about, you know, Hey, settle, settle down, slow down. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, people, people are still, you know, and, and I think people make the case, Hey, look, we still got to live, still got to do our things. But, um, you know, and then there's a lot of people that think, yeah, I'm not going to get it. I'll be fine. I'm moving. Well, I got that's my why we're in this position, right? 
Yeah, exactly, 100%. Um, you know what? Uh, all right, 15 minutes after 6 o'clock. Also, uh, you know what? Some sad news in the sporting world. Man, it's been a tough run for some iconic Canadians uh, and personalities over the last few days. Uh, we'll share another one coming up in just a few minutes as well. Uh, but, hey, the Masters tees off on Thursday. Yeah, in the middle of November. Just like we all love it. It's a tradition every year, right before Thanksgiving. Adam Stanley joins us once again. Joy, welcome back to the show. Adam, how are you, sir? I, I'm doing very well. I'm literally looking out my window at my neighbors going full Clark Griswold with their uh, Christmas lights right now. And, yeah, Already? Talking about the Masters. Already? It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they've been but going you at can't it for do like that before. You can't do that before November 11th. No, I'm a big, with my I'm sister. A big you Christmas can't pull guy, out a Christmas But it's got to come after November 11th. Yes, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think that's definitely that, that's something I think we can all agree on this morning. <laughs> uh, um, can, can, so, uh, can you clarify this? Like, I think this was a bit of a surprise for some people finding out this week that uh, this is the time when Augusta kind of this is kind of like spring for Augusta, isn't it this time of the year for the golf course? Yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. So, a lot of people are wondering, well, what's the golf course going to be like? at this time of the year and well october november is, is the start of augusta national season so the grass has kind of just been planted it's just starting to to kind of chew it's just starting to to take uh so it's going to be playing a lot slower than it would in april which is the end of augusta national season you know the masters kind of puts a bow on the year that was for lack of a better descriptor for augusta national the golf course and its members the following week after the masters is the last week of the season before it gets uh, closed down for the summertime. So you're exactly right. This quote-unquote time of the year is, is like the spring uh, for Augusta National, the golf course. So, Adam, where do we see the difference the most as we're watching it on television? Will, will greens won't be lightning uh, anymore, or how will we see the difference for, and how will the players have it play different for them? The greens are going to be still pretty quick. Augusta has that this sub-air system underneath its greens where it can really suck up the moisture pretty fast. Where the big difference is going to be uh, is around the green. So the golf course is going to look very much like it does uh, in April, but it's going to play a little bit different because it is, you know, it's got that chew. Like I said, it, it, it's a little bit uh, wetter uh, now and it will be for the rest of the week. So, you know, around the greens, you don't have that kind of this ripping uh, mature grass that's just kind of been sizzling all year long. What you do have is, you know, the, the guys have been kind of towing a line. They don't want to say it's a little patchy, but, you know, quite frankly, it's a little patchy. It just hasn't come fully clear uh, and through quite yet because, I mean, the grass has only been growing for five weeks or so. So uh, the around-the-green shots, you're, you're not going to see that usual uh, kind of ripping uh, bump shots be played. Uh, what you are going to see is a little bit more on the questioning side of things from the fellas. They're, they're going to wonder, okay, how is this going to play at this time of the year versus April. That's really where the difference is going to be. So we're just going to wait for like Jim Nance to come back and as Perry, Perry does it much better than I, but like, hello friends, the dying azaleas, the brown leaves covered on the grass. Like that's, that's what we're going to expect uh, once the broadcast starts on, on Thursday. Well, you needed the piano background music, yeah. but uh, for yeah, the, where were you guys the, to help me on that? All right, like you know, uh, Stanley, you got to step up on that. We we left we left you hanging. We should have done the musical <laughs> behind that yeah. uh, behind that. Obviously, talk, 
I think to, to your point specifically about, you know, what it's looking like, you're right. Like there's no, there's no pink, um, you know, there's no kind of bright pop of, of the flowers. You're, you're seeing the orange. Uh, it's been warmer than, than usual um, this fall in Georgia. So, you know, the leaves haven't quite fallen yet. Uh, there's some oranges, there's browns, and then, of course, the pine trees, uh, which stay green all year long. So that's really what you're going to be seeing. Again, though, you know, the guys have posted a lot of photos already. There's been a lot of videos from the players themselves. And, of course, Augusta National has posted some posts on social media as well. Uh, and what you're seeing, you know, if, if you didn't look at the trees and you just looked at the golf course, you'd kind of see something that looked exactly the same. But, of course, it's, uh, of course it's not. Adam, so that's how the golf course will be different. I, I think here in Canada, I, for one, you'd watch the Masters, and then, you know, when I was growing up in Alberta, you just, okay, now time to get the clubs out and start playing. The mindset of a pro golfer has always been, okay, well, had a good year, we'll start in Hawaii, we'll get to California, go yeah. to Florida, and then slowly make our way to Georgia. Where are the golf games of the world's best players right now? Because this is something that's different for them to peak in November. 100%. I mean, the whole the whole year has been different. So, you know, the guys had an extremely long break from, you know, the middle of March till June or whatever it was. And uh, now some of them have, have added tournaments that maybe they wouldn't have played normally in kind of this fall stretch. Uh, but a lot of the guys, if they play the week before the Masters, uh, you likely saw them in Houston last week. If they don't usually play the week before the Masters, it's unlikely that you did. I mean, Dustin Johnson, for example, is an interesting case. He tested positive for COVID-19, so he played last week in Houston. He doesn't always play the week before the Masters. So, you know, this is a guy who just wanted to get in a few more reps. But you kind of hit the nail on the head as it relates to um, the attitudes of these guys. Everything has had to pivot. Everything has had to change. Uh, They had a big, long break, a a long time of rest. And now they are kind of hitting the accelerator again uh, at the very end of the season. You know, Rory McIlroy has come out and said, listen, I'm playing this tournament. And then we'll see you. We won't see you again until, you know, the middle of middle of January, three and a half months later. So, uh, you know, a lot of the guys have this event circled as, you know, we want to go out with a bang no matter how you know tired I am, no matter what's been going on over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm going to turn it up to 11 for this particular week because it's still Augusta National. It's still the Masters. Doesn't matter what time of the year it is. Uh, I still want to I still want to play well and I want to win. Um, and I think they they've had this event circled on their calendar for a long time. So they've just made the changes necessary, you know, a month or a month and a half ago in order for them to peak right now. Adam Stanley here on Sportsnet 650. I'm, I'm looking at some of the betting odds here. Bryson DeChambeau and DJ are both kind of your best, uh, both kind of the favorites to win this thing. How do you see it? I mean, do we want to still look at somebody like Brooks Kepka, who was on fire for a couple of years? I mean, this has been a funky year, so it's kind of been a different one for him. But how do you view things? Yeah, I mean, Bryson, I think, is the obvious favorite. The conversation all week long has been around, well, and really all month long, has been around him and, you know, how much he's going to dismantle this golf course. He said he was going to put on weight. He said he was going to become, you know, this long driver behemoth, and he did just that. And now he's got an opportunity to really show what it could mean at a place like Augusta National where he would be hitting, you know, eight or nine iron into most of these greens, including on the par fives when some of the other guys are shooting six or seven irons into the uh, into the green. So definitely considered a favorite, you know, DJ as well. He played super well last week uh, after being off for a couple of weeks because of COVID. Uh, but it all is going to come down to, to putting. You know, Brooks may be a bit more of a question mark because he has, um, you know, had an injury. He's not 100% quite yet. 
um, from his return from that injury. Uh, so I think somebody, you know, who's got a tight short game, who, who's been, you know, riding some momentum is probably going to play super well this week. Bryson has um, not putted well at Augusta National. In fact, statistically over the last couple of years, he's actually been one of the worst putters at this golf course. So unless he's magically figured out the secret sauce, which I guess you couldn't really put it past him. Uh, I may not be leaning as much as I would be towards, uh, towards Bryson uh, as somebody like Rory McIlroy, who I think uh, is my favorite for this week. Ooh. Do you think because it's different quickly that it could be one of those unknown names, the odd time that shows up because of how it's been such a strange last six months? Maybe. I mean, it's 2020 and anything can happen, but I think Augusta National is the golf course that's going to expose, you know, everyone's weakness. And, you know, we saw the leaderboard last year. You know, it was just absolutely stout. You know, I like Rory a lot this week because, um, you know, he is going for the Grand Slam. He's going for the career Grand Slam and almost nobody is talking about it. You know, again, in April with Rory, it's a lot of lead up. It's like, oh, it's going to be the year of Rory. And then he inevitably lets us down. But in November and now he's already let us down. He hasn't won yet in 2000. 20 you know he just became a father i think there's a lot of positive things going for him this week mostly that he's flying under the radar and he's got all the tools so rory's my pick but i don't think that it's going to be a quote-unquote unknown guy who uh slips on the green jacket i feel like this is like of of all the years 2020 and and the poop emoji that it's been for all of us (laughs) i feel like this is the perfect year adam for patrick reed to win another masters I mean, it just, it does kind of fit the mold of 2020. Yes! Like, the least popular Masters <laughs> champion of the last decade to, like, do it again. But uh, anyways, uh, even though there's no patrons, it'll be the same amount of people cheering for him as who cheered for him when he did win. Awesome. True. Thanks, man. Nice to catch up with you and uh, keep up the awesome and uh, say hi to Clark Roswell for us next door. Okay? <laughs> no worries, fellas. Jeez, Thanks. Have a good week. Awesome. There he is. Adam yeah. Stanley, a Sportsnet golf contributor here, uh, looking ahead to the Masters teeing off. Coming up two days from now, man, it'll be different, right? It's not It's not going to have all that color and pop. I mean, we'll see a whole lot of green, but um, to the degree of the magic and the pomp and circumstances. But, Pear, it's the Masters. We're craving content right now, and we got something in two days' time. Yeah, and the golf, you know, that's the one golf course. If you're a golf fan, you pretty much know every hole. Okay, here's what he's doing on 13. He's got the he's got the par five on 15. Will he get that back there? Uh, unaware that you know this is this is really springtime for the Masters, right? That you aren't going to see any brown spots. They'd have the spray can out, but uh, I don't know if the Roy Mackerel choice is. I do think it'll be a you're not an unknown if you're in the Masters because it's so hard to get into. But I just think why wouldn't it be someone we don't know winning? And gosh, you love your Patrick Reed. Yeah, Dylan's, try get, buddy. Can we book Patrick Reed on this show just so you can talk to him? Is he such a jerk? Somebody's got to. Somebody's got to have empathy for the the cheater, right? Like uh, you know, somebody's got to have uh, a little empathy, and it's about it's a time for forgiveness, man. If Justin Turner can get some forgiveness, I mean, it's. Uh, why not? Uh, 26 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Tuesday morning. He's Perry. I'm James. Coming up in a moment, why this market, why Canucks fans continue with the idea of flirting with Nikita Triamkin and also another farewell to a legend in Vancouver sports. That's all ahead right here on your home of Vancouver hockey, Sportsnet 650. Passing down low, thrown back. Tramkin, Chris shot, deflected in, and it's a first career goal for Nikita Tramkin as it went in off Hunter Shankarik, and the game is tied at one. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
632, a little soggy out there. You got snow on the ground up in your neck of the woods, don't you? Uh, not on the ground, on the cars, though. Uh, didn't last on the ground, but yeah, as I walked the dog out this morning, uh, there is some snow on the cars in need of a... Uh, not a scrape, but, you know, uh, pull out a little bit of a, a cleaner out just to get the dusting off the windshield. Yeah, yeah a, little du- a, little, a little dusting. Not, um, not cold out. Not cold out, but, yeah, I got some snow. No, but enough to get a little bit of, uh, you know, it's funny. because Yesterday I popped in to get the winter tires on at Surrey Honda yesterday, and lo and behold, as I was walking in, the flurries were starting to drop. So it was uh, it was yeah. all happening. Uh, take we'll a look get at to... pictures of our prairies, though, buddy. Like Saskatoon is is under snow already. A lot going on. Yeah. Tell me what Seaball says. Uh, well, let's uh, let's do this here because uh, NHL agent Todd Diamond joined Reach Deep on Monday, and his giant of a client, you see how I rhyme there, was once again a talking point here on 650 Pair. Yes, Nikita Triamkin, the hulking 6'7 blue liner who was the Canucks' third-round pick in 2014, was thought to be coming back to Vancouver after last season, but guess what? Didn't happen. And his agent was again asked if there's still a fit for the 26-year-old at the end of this KHL season. We've had so many discussions in the past uh, and 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 uh, thought we were going to be at a different place this past season. And for whatever reason, that didn't work out. So it's hard to say how next year is going to work out. And, um, you know, after that, Nikita will be a, a restricted free agent. So, um, I mean, it's hard to say. Uh, again, it's probably going to depend, uh, you know, when and, and how much uh, they re-sign uh, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen for. And... Um, you know, and basically, you know, what's left and if, if that's enough to get the deal done, assuming they still want Nikita. If they don't want Nikita, I'm sure we can easily find, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 clubs that do. There you go. Uh, so there's Todd Diamond advocating for his client once again. And as much as this market loves to fawn over Pedersen, Hughes, Besser, Demko, Horvat, and depending which household bubble you're in, Jake Vertanen, only the mighty Quinn is a blue liner. And that remains an issue for the Canucks all these years, the back end. There's been a lot to like with the Canucks drafting and developing since Jim Benning came to town, but the former NHL defenseman turned general manager hasn't had a lot of luck when it comes to finding D-men. I mean, Troy Stetcher was a diamond in the rough when they signed him as a free agent in 2016, but the organization tried essentially for two years to move him before they decided to opt not to qualify Troy from Richmond and allowed him to just simply walk off and join the Red Wings. I want you to know it's over. Well. Bye. This is why Triampkin's name continually comes up. Here's a player that didn't want to earn his roster spot, didn't like people using cannabis here in Vancouver, and pieced on back to Russia. Yet the flirtation continues. But this is turning into more of one of those one-off hookups that you had through social media, and while you try to continue to slide into those DMs and rekindle that magic once more, it's just not happening. It's over! It's over, ladies and gentlemen! 
Now, it's understandable why Canucks fans remain tantalized at the prospect of Triamkin. I mean, just look what the Canucks have rolled out over the last few years. A rogues gallery featuring Ben Hutton, Eric Branson, Derek Pouliot, all of them spending a chunk of time patrolling the back end in recent years while we've awaited the replacements that have ultimately come via free agency and not from development. It's not like they haven't tried either. I mean, they did spend a fifth overall pick on Olio Levy in 2016, and he's played all of one NHL game, and it'll be 2021 in just 52 days. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, I mean, there's a group that includes Ashton Sautner and Guillaume Brisebois and Brogan Rafferty, Jalen Chatfield, and Jet Wu, if you want to throw him in there too. But honestly, even though Yolevi will likely make the jump this winter, are you convinced that any of those names will emerge as legit top four defensemen? Look, it's been six and a half years since Benning came here, and there's only one defenseman on this current core that's developed during GMJB's tenure. Myers, Schmidt, Ben, all came from elsewhere. And old yeller, Alex Edler, he was drafted 16 years ago by Dave Nonis. Maybe one, or even two, dare I say three of these prospects will emerge in the coming years. But until then, this market will continue to flirt with Nikita, the Russian giant. That's Seaball says this morning, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Feel the need to jump on in if you want. But, hey, in the meantime, Perry, we've always got that Elton John's 80s classic, Nikita. Yeah, I I like that. Listen, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's great when you can draft and you can turn some diamonds in the rough. But, you know, you look at the people who are walking around going, oh, what did you do this summer? Oh, I won a Stanley Cup. The only guy on that blue line from the Tampa Bay Lightning who was drafted was Victor Hedman. Everything else, free agent signing, acquired by trade. So it doesn't just happen. You know, Sergachev was their big deal that they made and Jonathan Durant. So it would be great to say you have more than one. But Nikita Triampkin had his chance. Well, you got Hutton on the blue line, Alex Biego on the blue line back then, Philip Larson. He wasn't exactly part of a great hockey team uh, back when he played 60-plus games. And, yeah, it would be nice if you could go, hey, on the blue line, three of our guys were guys that we built through the draft. But maybe you're going to have that. Maybe Ole Levy is that regular. So, you know, it's nice if you can do it, but if you can't, you have to acquire it. So he did it with Tyler Myers. He did it with Nate Schmidt. He's got one with Quinn Hughes. Alex Zedler is a guy who's been through this organization. I, I, I'm just shocked at the love that Nikita Triampkin has, and maybe it's just the fact that no matter where you are, <laughs> what sport you're in, how old kids are, you always notice the big person. And that's why I think Nikita Triampkin has had such conversation. He's noticeable, but if he was really good, he wouldn't be in the KHL. Well, he's he's six foot seven, and and I I know that there was one NHL agent that suggested to me months and months ago that if Nikita Triamkin were to get a dollar from the Canucks before the likes of you know pending free agents like Chris Tanev, Troy Stetcher, Jacob Markstrom, you know if if he would have somehow jumped the queue and got paid. There was that would have been deemed the ultimate sign of disrespect. Now, ultimately, none of those guys wound up coming here or staying put for that matter. But 
you look at how things have kind of played out, I mean, it does speak to, you mentioned Hutton, you mentioned Viega. Again, those guys all came from a different general manager in a different era in terms of a development. You know, I, I like Nate Schmidt. I like Alex Edler. I like Tyler Myers. Like, they're all defensemen that you can work with and, and are all usable guys and, and guys who help. And, and I think Nate Schmidt totally upgrades the blue line. But outside of Quinn Hughes' pair, you throw Jordy Ben into that mix as well. Like, of the five that you know right now, like, they're all, like, four of those five have all come from elsewhere. And Quinn has obviously turned out to be a home run. I think everybody in this market would agree. But, you know, for all the talk that we've been listening to, you know, for three years we've been listening about Guillaume Brisebois. I mean, he was drafted, you know, five and a half years ago. You know, Olio Levy, fifth overall pick. I mean, we don't need to go through how many other players were taken after him that you're going, oh, man. Right? I mean, Jalen Chatfield, you know, there's his name coming up again when the return to play and look good in camp. Um, Brogan Rafferty, I mean, all the excitement of what he was offering and, and seemed to have a pretty good year in Utica. You know, it's, are these guys all ready to make the jump or are they just kind of names from a depth standpoint? Like Ashton Sumner, right. like, like what? Who's who's legit and who's not, right? At some point you want to see these guys make the jump, but, you know, some of these guys have been in the organization for five and a half years. Well, you don't want those guys pushing out proven NHLers until you have to make a decision. I think we saw that decision being made over the last two months. Going, you know, they think they can replace Troy Stetcher with what they have. They think Ole Olevi can take some ice time. Thus, you move on Chris Tanev when they, you know, are in that position and can't afford him anymore. Do you actually think Nikita Triampkin isn't in the NHL because the Vancouver Canucks are blocking him? That when he is free to go elsewhere, as his agent says, he's going to have twenty teams knocking on his door? I don't think so. I think he's still got to show that he is a legitimate everyday NHLer, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. the one thing that I think he's still got to be that guy. Like, look, he had an opportunity to compete for a spot here, and I think probably was, you know, I think he was probably it was probably thought right that hey, look, he's probably a favorite to get a spot, but he didn't want to go down that road, right? He didn't want to go down that road and, and went back to Russia. So when the door was wide open for him, James, we just talked about who was on that blue line back then. It's wide open for him with opportunities, and he didn't want to push the door in. Yeah, and nobody, and obviously, like nobody's wanted to trade for him, um, you know. But I mean, Jim Benning has kind of suggested in the past, and like, hey, you bet there's a future, you know. And I mean, I, my goodness, I mean, Pear, I feel like we had this conversation with Todd Diamond last year, and yeah, yeah, we can, yeah. we're gonna make it happen. Good and for him as an here agent. We are That's again. what he's supposed to do. Yeah. And people right. continue and I'm, to I'm sure, I'm sure Jim Benning and Travis Green would love to go, gosh, I hope I hope we get in the Triampkin, the guy that Todd Diamond speaks about all the time, because it sounds like he is, you know, Zidane Chera in the KHL. Put everything on him. He'll be fine. Uh, but if that was the case, we always say, if you're good enough, no matter where you're playing, they'll find you. And so they know where Nikita Triampkin is. And, uh, you know, he just – to me, hasn't been good enough for them to worry about it or they're really keeping it quiet. Like, no, they're bringing him here. He's going to be a big part of the conversation. Uh, he's not part of the conversation. Hasn't been for a while, but he's still an asset. So you don't, you know, you can't sour him and go, no. But I just think it's not like he hasn't had an opportunity. Maybe they'll give him another one, but uh, they'll be okay on the blue line. This is a transition year, but they have some pretty good pillars, I think they feel, in, in three players, in a Myers and a Schmidt and in a Hughes, but I think amongst a lot of NHL teams, you go give us your best three. 
you go, those guys aren't that bad. They'll sit there and they will right now with the Canucks. You know, they, they would stack up pretty well against top three defensemen in other NHL teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, I, I mean, I, I, the reality is, is pair come come spring once the KHL season's done, like we'll just see a private jet land here in uh, in Vancouver from Russia, featuring Triamkin and Pod Colson, right? I mean, that's that's what we're waiting for, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's coming. The Bolsheviks. Yeah. Hey, Pod Colson. Uh, I tell you what, when we talked to uh, you know their their assistant player development, Chris Higgins, like he was, I think too many people are putting heat on Pod Colson, like, hey, he's coming here for a great chance. We're going to rookie and. Hey, Hagen's yesterday, if you heard him uh, during eight o'clock hours, like, you know what? This guy's like the real deal. Like he may be a guy who's going to jump right into this lineup when he's done his KHL year. Should be incredible. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I mean, he suggested that more of a playmaker than a goal scorer, uh, but the game seems to be tailor-made more for here in the North American game than it is uh, in the KHL. But, he still seems to check the boxes in the eyes of what Chris Higgins is seeing from him there. All right, 6.45, Todd Bertuzzi coming up at 7 o'clock. Uh, farewell to another legend this week. It's been a crappy start in the eyes for some. Uh, we'll get to that next right here on Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. Our producer, uh, or one of our producers, Greg Ballard, just uh, mentioning here, Perry, that uh, this is an excellent opportunity to play some uh, Gordon Lightfoot because it was on this day, November 10th, 1975, 45 years ago today, that the Edmund Fitzgerald sank. Inspiring the song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald from Gordon Lightfoot. Wow. There was a comedian, and I don't know who it was. Whether it was a Canadian or an American who used to talk about how Canadians would sing the U.S. national anthem, and he just used that theme. So it was like, Oh, say can you see by the dunes early Oh, it was, uh, it was uh, Roy, uh, Roy Firestone. Oh, it was Roy was Firestone. It? Yeah, yeah, he did a great, he did a great uh, Gordon Lightfoot back in the. Yeah, I totally remember him doing Boy, those. I, I forgot about Roy Firestone. Yeah, for for those who don't know, an American broadcaster was kind of one of the first to really do long, in depth interviews. Sports was, guy. He might have been part comedian too, right? Yeah, like, and, and yeah, he, I like I got he was Roy kind of the Firestone sports guy. Book somewhere. Roy yeah. Firestone was also uh, in Jerry Maguire as well. And, um, so I, I guess a kind of a, a somber day anniversary with the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, but also we wake up to news this morning pair that, uh, another legend, uh, has, uh, passed away at the age of 83, uh, a guy who, uh, was instrumental in the growth of Canadian soccer in the 1980s. And that is, uh, Tony Waiters. Yeah. Uh, sad news this morning that came out that Tony Waiters had passed. You know, you think about that 1986, it's incredible that our nation has only been to one men's world cup, but, uh, you know, a lot of people in the soccer community on social media are coming up because Tony was a, a Vancouver guy, stayed in North Vancouver, I think went to the Island later on in life, but just saying he was just such the, the nicest man, always classy, always very genuine. Um, you know, I was at an event, it's gotta be 10, 15 years ago. And I, I had never met Tony waiters. Um, you know, but uh, happened to see him at uh, 
at this event. We were at a pub and he had a beer. I had a beer and we sat and chatted for probably 25 or 30 minutes. And I just walked away and said, boy, what a what a nice man. Just wanted to know everything about you. Wanted to talk about soccer. Didn't want to talk a whole lot about him. And uh, he's a real loss to uh, to the soccer community and to the soccer country. One of the guys who came over from England and just made this place home and made everybody around him love the game and the game better. So, boy, Howie Meeker on the weekend. Now, Tony Waiters kind of, you know, you, you could almost put in the same kind of class as to what he did for soccer as to what Howie had done for everything because he became hey. a broadcaster bit and grew the game in a big way in our country. Pair, as much as we in this market wish and hope and pray that one day a Stanley Cup comes to this city and what the celebration means. There is a generation of soccer fans, of sports fans here in this market that will remember the celebration touched off when the Whitecaps won in 1979. And they just celebrated the 40th anniversary of that last year. And we had Tony on the show to kind of go down memory lane for that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, 41 years ago, I mean, he took this city to a championship, to um, to an NASL championship. The Whitecaps, man, they were champions. They were kings. And that was Tony Waiters who led that team to victory back in 1979. 1979 our downtown looked nothing like it did does now and you think about it upwards of over a hundred thousand people converged downtown the only thing you would kind of you know say this is what it was like is a ticker tape parade that you have in new york when they celebrate it that was the reception the vancouver whitecaps had that has only been the one big parade that this city has had to celebrate a vancouver team winning a sports championship back in 1979. And you're right, led by Tony Waiters. That was a love affair for that team back then. Uh, it was a love affair he had with the game. And Tony Waiters passing away overnight uh, yesterday, a big loss for Canadian soccer. There's some, there's some, there's some memorable Grey Cups uh, along the way as well. But, man, um, the big one for soccer fans, 1979, and Tony, uh, Tony Waiters, a big part of that. Uh, I know we're up against the clock. Do, do, you know what? Let's, let's, get, uh, let's share the moment of uh, Alex Trebek coming up in the uh, 7 o'clock hour, a nice moment on Parliament Hill yesterday, and a nice tribute at the opening of Jeopardy! last night as well. We'll get to that. Todd Bertuzzi joins us in a moment. Also, the head of BC Hockey, uh, Cameron Hope, on some of the challenges that the sport is dealing with here in the province as we are on restrictions now for the next two weeks. Dr. Bonnie clarifying that. We'll talk to Cameron Hope coming up at 7.30. And Big Bird next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Folk on the way. And it is good. With zeros on the clock, Nick Folk. The field goal Jets fall to 0-9. These guys are here to break it all down. I think it's pretty clear from the facts that Mr. Munau failed to discharge that obligation. He damaged the game, and as a result, he was disciplined. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Well, you know what? You guys get lost. This is the starting lineup with James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. 
7 o'clock. What's happening, everybody? This hour on the starting lineup here on Sportsnet 650, a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Butte Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. James Sabalski here, Perry Solkowski there, and we'll catch up with Todd Bertuzzi here in just a moment on this Tuesday morning. Perry? Silence is golden. I guess we should find. You know how? Uh, yeah. T ball, can you hear me? Yeah. How easy would it be to write headlines in a New York sports page today or a Boston sports page? In Boston, you wake up, it's folk hero, and then in New York, you wake up and it's folk off. <laughs> is that the is that the day in New York Post today? <laughs> I don't know. I I just thought of that listening to the soundbite. I have not looked at a paper, but don't you think that works? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it is. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I, I could think see that. folk story, folk hero, and folk get off. folked. I would, I would yeah. hope someone in New York has folk off on the back of their sports. Oh page. my gosh! Yeah, get folked. Um, yeah, I could see that. Uh, speaking of which, uh, let's bring in uh, our uh, Tuesday guest at this time each and every Tuesday here on Sportsnet 650. It's Bertuzzi. Todd Bertuzzi joins us. What's happening, man? What's going on? Good morning, boys. How you guys doing? What paper am I in now? <laughs> Ask us in 15 minutes. Uh, well, I guess we should we should yeah, get right to it. Yeah, let me let me finish what I have to say first, and then we'll start something else. Anyways, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to last Tuesday. People, our fans, anyone that listens, listen. When I was saying what I was saying, I said that if the person didn't get in to where I was living, that I would move to Vancouver. Yes, I know Vancouver is very liberal. It was a joke. Many people got my joke. There's a very few, very tiny amount of people that didn't. And unfortunately, those people uh, spit venom, came after me and all that. And I'm sorry you didn't get the joke. And, and uh, I really am. I'm, I'm sorry that you're angry and you feel the need to come out and attack myself uh, for my intelligence, uh, my kids and all that kind of stuff. But uh, just to clarify, me, Seabal and Perry have a very good relationship. And we always discuss them. Vancouver and all this kind of stuff. We, we, we keep things in jest. It's a sports show. But someone decided to run with last Tuesday's uh, chat and wrote an article not doing his due diligence or ask questions or even ask us what I meant by that. And uh, unfortunately, there was a small amount of people that didn't get it. But it was in jest and it was a joke. And uh, let's move on. Wait, 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 wait. Like... Yeah. You know, Tawasin's really nice at this time of the year. Did you did you get that brochure about Anmore that Perry sent you about like you're you're moving here though, right? Oh, I know you sent me a whole bunch of hey, no one I love Vancouver. I cannot wait to get back out there. I love the people. I love it. It was trying to make light of a serious situation and make a joke. And like I said, there was a very small amount of people that didn't get the joke. Many people got it and thought it was very funny and very good on timing. Some people didn't. And like I said, those people that didn't who decided to go to their phones and try to attack me and all of that, I'm sorry that you felt that way. I really am. And I hope that 2021 is a better time in the world for you guys so you can go about your business hey, and be happier. Hey, Perry, Perry, I guess, and, and Bert, in fairness, Perry, this is the same guy that drove a Hummer here, right? 
Well, yeah. <laughs> well, no, but you know what? Hey, by the way, you know what, Bert? I, 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 by the way, I wasn't alone. I had a handful of us, and my Hummer would get keyed. I'd get notes all over my things. How terrible I'm! <laughs> what I'm doing to the environment? Like, I know exactly. I know BC, uh, and I love the people up there. I don't judge. Like, if you want to, if you're on the very liberal side, I think that's fine. I don't. That's that's your choice. I don't get angry. I don't yeah. spit venom at you. Everyone's allowed choices and freedom. It's 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 the world we live in. But it's unfortunate that. Some people don't see it that way. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think we all get along well. We've all had, uh, you know, and I think that's in part, you're very comfortable talking to us and then everyone jumps on it. And, and, you know, we know how to take shots at each other. Um, I know speaking with your better half last year when you're up, I mean, you've, you've thought about where, you know, where are you going to put up the tent when the kids are, are gone and Vancouver's a place that you love because you're revered here. So nice of you to clear that up. Hey, I want to ask you something and, and, you know, you can speak to it as a dad too with tag because we had uh, Chris Higgins on yesterday, who's you know assistant GM of development for the Canucks, and he said, you know, we're really going to find out who loves this sport because mentally it is so tough right now because nothing is normal. Are you finding that with your son, a junior hockey player, and all his buddies, that man to continue to push right now in a sport they love is mentally exhausting? Well, right now it's mentally exhausting. I think with all the pushbacks, I know that the QM, uh, the Quebec League is, is is playing right now, and you see the WHL and the OHL kids. Obviously, they're jealous that they're not able to participate and play like these kids are are, are doing in Quebec. And this is going on seven, eight months of training and working out. And as an, uh, an ex player, uh, that's a lot of training time. That's it's it's it's. It takes a lot out of you mentally in order to prepare for that long of time. We'll ask, you know what, the better question to ask the Olympic athletes who prepare every four years to get themselves ready, how long four years of training takes and mental and physical and emotional and financial and all that. It's, it's a lot. But for these poor young kids, man, all they want to do is just play hockey. And a lot of them are in tough situations right now. And I really hope that at some point in time, uh, we can find a system and a way to get these kids back on the ice that's safe for everyone. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point you hope, right? And, mm-hmm. and how many of these teams are going to need some financial help here if at this rate it doesn't look like fans are in the stands anytime soon once the new year rolls around. And I think of you know teams in the Western Hockey League like the Vancouver Giants. And, um, hey, I want to I share with you something that Chris Higgins said yesterday, Bert, um, who's now the uh, assistant uh, director of player development here for the Canucks. And and Chris was on the show yesterday talking about, you know, the challenges that lie ahead for this young group of Canucks going forward and how, you know, there's a lot of promise, but he said next year or this upcoming season, the challenge might lie more between the ears than it does actually on the ice. Take a listen to this. I want to get your reaction to this. It's going to be more of a, of a battle between the ears, I think, this year. Um to stay focused, especially when some of those uh, some of those losing streaks streaks happen, and and people are you know going to be quick quick to point point the finger that uh, this team's a fraud, and um, you know whether or not we can we can work through that uh, you know as a group and, and find ourselves. That's I think that's going to be the big challenge this year. Did you find that as all of a sudden you guys kind of finally rose up? And I think back to, you know, 20 years ago from a West Coast Express era, you know, all of a sudden everybody kind of got on board and was like, all right, I love this group. 
but it was now it's it's reading the press clippings, right? All of a sudden, are you are you for real or are or as you know, like Chris Higgins was kind of alluding to, are you are you for real about this? Are you a contender or are you a fraud? How much is that mental game, and how important is that for the kids now going forward? Well, I think it's going to be huge. I think with the unrestricted free agency and and losing a handful of quality players, uh, if anything, that's going to put a lot more pressure on uh, the core group of guys, knowing that DeFoley's gone, uh, Markstrom's gone, uh, we lost a defenseman. Uh, what's his name? Sorry again. Tanev. H. Schmidt. Yeah, Tanev. But you, but you lost some guys who were key components oh. in that dressing room that uh, guys looked up to. Uh, veteran presence guys. Uh, so they're going to have to look at filling within. We're going to have to have some, or they're going to have to have some monster, monster seasons by uh, some guys who have been teeter-tottering on uh, trying to find their game where they're at and all that kind of stuff. And they're going to need uh, those depth guys to step up and, and overachieve and have some monster years. And, and obviously with the core group, they're going to have to continue to push forward and, and understand that it's going to be it's going to be a tough go. I think uh, with what they did in the bubble and how well they played and how they got so much momentum with the city and and fans around and how entertaining and how hard they played, I think there's going to be a truckload of pressure put on these guys' shoulders to get off to a good start. Do you Things think what Hagen said though? In using you know he used the word fraud and I you know I think unjust, but do you think other NHL teams, Bert? Watch the Canucks, a young team, Thatcher Demko play out of this world that a lot of them thought they just got on a roll in the craziest of circumstances. And really, I would judge them more on the 60-plus games they played prior to the bubble than I would on what they did in that five weeks in a unique circumstances. Do you think there's other NHL players and teams that go, they're not as good as people think they are? No, oh, yeah, that happens uh, quite often. I think uh, I know for a fact when 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 we played, uh, we would sit in the locker room and call teams out and saying, "Hey, they're not as good as they think they are. What the clippings are, we know how to beat this team, and let's uh, let's prove a point and and show them that we know exactly who they are." It's like uh, who's the green uh, or who's the coach from uh, Minnesota Vikings? <laughs> we know who they were. We Dennis they were, Green, yeah, like that. That's exactly what it is that we do. PT, you don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't overestimate teams, but as a whole, in in general, you can look through the whole uh, league and look at teams and kind of say, "All right, they're not who they think they are. They're, you know what? They're on an easy roll here, or whatever. They're easy. They're they're like there's teams that when you go into the playoffs, you're not afraid of. You know that in a seven game series." Uh, you can take them. I think that was the kind of confidence that uh, we always had. And you know what? At the same thing with uh, with the West Coast when we were playing Detroit and we were up two games, I feel like Detroit, with their maturity and their Hall of Famers and all that, I think at some point in time they knew mentally that they could try, that they think that they could break us down. And unfortunately, uh, that's what ended up happening. Tom Bertuzzi here with us on Sportsnet 650. Um just like we always plan at this time of the year in November, it's the Masters on Thursday. Who you got? Mm-hmm. Who you got? Uh, well, Rom got a hole in one yesterday. Uh, I always well, I like his game. I, I, what's that? 
Oh, I didn't know. I, I was going to say, it. Rom got a hole-in-one. No, yeah, and on the practice round, he got a hole-in-one yesterday playing with uh, Ricky Fowler, and uh, I think it was Woodland or whatever. So uh, I, I, I love his game. He's a big boy. I think he can overpower that course. Um, it's just a beautiful time of the week, man, with Augusta and the Masters. Uh, I love every bit of it. I don't miss watching one episode or, or one minute of it. I'll watch it all the way till nighttime and all that. Don't underestimate Tiger, and I'm looking forward to seeing what DeChambeau does, uh, knowing a lot of the holes and where he thinks he's going to take it over and, and what he's going to do. I think it's going to be an outstanding week. How hard or have you ever tried through any connections to get on Augusta? I actually haven't. I haven't tried at all. I was hoping at some point in time. I do have a couple friends who uh, have friends that are members and all that, but I don't want to be that greasy dude that sits there like a lap dog and and asks and begs to get out there. I'm hoping at some point in time uh, that uh, I get an invite. Uh, I won't even go watch the Masters tournament because my thought is I'd love to play it before I even go watch anything uh, out there. I think if I go there and watch the tournament and all that, my jealousy level will go to an extreme high and I'll become that lap dog who's begging this guy to get me out there. It's sad that the three of us in this conversation and Seaball, who, no offense, isn't a great golfer, is the only one who's been to Augusta. Yeah, I know. Sad, sad, sad. Why is it sad that I get to go? Because you don't appreciate well, golf going, as much you, as Bird and I do. No, you, yeah, you don't. You don't. You don't love the sport. You don't live it. You, you're so busy with your beautiful kids and doing outdoorsy stuff and all that. Me and Perry, we we live for this sport, man. I I, I love playing golf. I love every tournament and watching and all that. And I'm not going to say you don't appreciate. You just I I just because of everything else you love doing more. I think the appreciating level is a little bit higher for me. I'll, I'll tell you my, my master's experience in 05, and that was the year of Tiger, the in-your-life moment. Um, yeah. I, I got there on the Monday, go to pick up my credentials, and the uh, you know the, the public relations uh, assistant, uh, here, here are your credentials for the practice rounds for the week. I'm like, perfect. Now what about, uh, and what about for when the event uh, gets going? <laughs> And the gentleman <laughs> looks at me and says, oh, you're not credentialed for the actual event. You're just covered for the practice rounds. <laughs> so a couple <laughs> of calls back to the office at the score at the time. And they're like, what? I said, yeah, I don't know. You tell me, man, who's doing this? And uh, so I had no credentials to get into the grounds. So like, the only way I could have got in for the actual rounds were uh, if I had to pay for a ticket. And so I essentially sat out for, uh, and those tickets are like next to impossible to come by. Um, so I basically sat in a satellite truck and watched the event. Uh, and and I, here's the other bubble burster for people who've never been to Augusta before. That town, I'm sorry, residents of Augusta, but that <laughs> town is a dump. Yeah. Like it is the it, it is the field it is the field of dreams from I, a golf course standpoint. Yeah. In the middle of just you know, it is nothing sexy about that town. Like it is just. Actually, a strip. And you know what? I've yeah. ball. I've actually heard that everyone that goes in there and says it because they're trying to find uh, residency to stay and all that for the weekend yeah. and all that. And everyone says the same comment. There's absolute. You got to get yourself a very nice house so you can just have yeah. parties at the house because going out and about, it's really not there. Hey, I was the walk of shame at a Magnolia Lane for you that you didn't oh. have credentials. You love <laughs> that? Oh yeah. I would have loved them to open the gate and just watch you and your skinny little jeans walk right out of Augusta. Oh, and and the best thing was I was like I had a clothing deal that week with uh, Jay Linderberg. 
like at the time yeah. when like Jesper <laughs> yeah. was rolling with that. So like I had the bubblegum pants. I had like the I had the fluorescent <laughs> shirts. Like I mean, oh, honestly, I man, like people were looking at post. people looked at me and I had no game. People looked at me like yeah. I was the cat's ass. Like who was this guy? This guy must be a player <laughs> if he's dressing like that. Getting double takes, and then of course I came back and you talked to all the hockey people. I remember there was uh, one scouting director in the NHL, and he saw me a, a couple of weeks after I got back. He's like, "Man, did you ever look like an idiot covering Augusta?" <laughs> I pray golf, not I pray ski. I pray golf. Yeah, hey, I pray you golf. The, you looked yeah. the part. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, take care, Bert. man. Yeah, I'm heading out golfing right now. Uh, it's- Beautiful, 72 degrees here. Beautiful, going out with some friends. I can't wait. Uh, you guys have a great rest of your week. And all the fans who listen to the show, we love you. And I'll see you around, people. I'll send you that right. link to that real estate. We'll read, uh, read, read about you in the paper here, in 24 hours. Well, I'll be moving with both of you, so don't worry about it. <laughs> we'll be the best friends. Talk to you next week, man. See you. See, see you, boys. There he is, Todd Bertuzzi. Uh, oh, dude, like, here's the other thing. Like, I was staying at, like, just like a, a motel in Augusta, and and I, one night I'm sitting there, and, and there's a knock on the door, like, right around sunset, and this monster of a lady, uh, monster of a woman knock, knocking on my door, and she's like, yeah, my car's broken down. Uh, can I use your phone? Um, really? Can I, oh, yeah, and, like, honestly, like, this lady had to be at least twice the size of me, like comes into my room, uh, you know, sits down, picking up a phone, well, hang on. Like, what starts you like calling her husband and like kind of arguing about, you know, are you going to, are you going to come pick me up or what? And like, like, like I'm waiting. Am I going to get robbed here or what? Well, why did you let her in your room? Like, don't you? Just, I mean, the parking the lot was, the, uh, the parking lot was empty. I left the door open just so, you know, but like, I don't know. I didn't want. I just, I wasn't sure. I was like, "Oh, uh, okay, you can. Okay, make a call." And and then she kind of sat around, and so she's waiting for, I guess, her her partner to to come, and and so I'm like, oh, "Would you like a beer?" And offering a beer, and now she's just oh, sitting gosh. there, this is getting just sitting worse. there in the room, this and like, getting worse. Oh my god, yeah. It's like after about ten, fifteen minutes, it's like, okay, like you know what, you gotta go. I'm sorry. And she's like, kind of like disgusted over the fact that I'm kicking her out and like, come on. No, no, no. Like I don't, I just, man, I feel like I'm going to get knifed or I'm going to get shot here or something. You know, where is he? Is he coming to pick you up or what? So like, I appreciate your Canadian hospitality, but how about you go, yeah. like, here's a cell phone, make a call, but you're inviting her in and having a beer that's getting on you. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Don't yeah. tell that story to your girls. <laughs> stranger danger yeah exactly wasn't mm-hmm. really adhering to that one uh let's go uh down the hall from uh news eleven thirty. we are joined by the always authoritative voice of the news world Ms. she's, she's not doing anything like that no and i only caught half that story was that was that a date you had is that is... <laughs> he was hoping apparently <laughs> uh, yeah yeah, I was hoping, yeah. <laughs> no, a stranger I, if... knocks on the door, and he lets him in, and he's offering her a beer. He's in he's in a bad part of Georgia. like. Oh, this uh, is in Georgia. Know. Okay, this wasn't like last week. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't let people into your house. It wasn't my house. It was it was my motel. Not a hotel. That's even worse. A motel. <laughs> yeah, so that makes it you never watch Dateline? You uh, never do stuff like that. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, in Georgia as well, right? Like, it just, like, nothing, yeah. like, what possibly... 
what possibly could happen here? Um, oh, man. So, Aslan, we got a little bit of clarification from Dr. Bonnie yesterday. What, what can you tell us from a sports standpoint? From a sports standpoint, it's it's not, it's still hard because you can still play like soccer is fine. Outdoor soccer for kids is fine. It's anything outdoors, but anything indoors, as we know, spin classes, fitness classes, gyms, all that stuff is kind of closed right now. And what they have to do and I, you know, you kind of have to feel for the business owners because they have to put forward a plan, their safety plan, get it approved, and then they can reopen. But for a lot of these businesses, they've now been shut down. They were shut down as of Saturday when the public health orders went into effect because it's not like she put them into effect and said, okay, this this kicks in on Wednesday. No, no, this kicks in immediately. So a bunch of businesses have been closed. Um, and for kids, it's, yeah, you can't play a hockey game, but you can do individual drills. Um, and there has to be some space, you know, when you're in the locker room, you need to keep, you know, you have to follow the same public health rules that we do, but that's hard, especially for, for young kids, you know, like I've got, uh, a bunch of nieces and nephews and they all play sports and they're like, you know, are you really going to tell a five-year-old not to go up to their friend? Like it's hard. Yeah. So yeah, we'll have the president of BC hockey up next to at seven thirty to find out more. Yeah. That's uh, great. It is difficult. Uh, $5 bill. We're going to yeah. get a new face on the Canadian $5 bill. Terry! Uh, who's shortlisted? Terry! <laughs> well, James what? just took out my thunder. Jeez. Yeah, it's Terry Fox. He's been shortlisted. Not surprising. He's nice. uh, one of the most notable names but on it, that but list. But it's not him. Who else is on the shortlist, though? Uh, there's there's a few other people, but he is, I would say, the most notable. And this comes after thousands and thousands and thousands of Canadians uh, were asked, like, who do you want on the next $5 bill? And uh, Terry made the shortlist, which is not surprising. We I spoke to his brother uh, about a month ago, and he said, you know, if he gets it, it would be such an honor. And we know that, you know, his legacy and name will forever live on in this country with the Terry Fox run and given all the work that he did. Um, so he's uh, he's been shortlisted now. Just so everyone is clear, this is for the new five. This won't happen till next year is when the feds will announce it. And Sir Wilfrid Laurier, who's on the bill right now, let's do a quick history lesson. Um, he'll be yep. moved to another bill. So it's not like we're just going to take him off and then he just gets slighted. He'll be moved to either a 50 or the $100 bill. Uh, so the, he'll get, uh, does he that gets, count as an upgrade or a down? Like more I, people I, have fives than hundies, but at the same time, like <laughs> would so you strange. rather be on a hundred dollar bill or a five dollar bill? I, I it feels like a prestige. promotion. It yeah. feels like a promotion. I went from a five What's to a hundred. What's the best bill to be on though? Is it a twenty? Like I think it's a twenty. But but it's the twenty is the queen, but, and the twenty is not going to change. No one's going to well, be like, she, oh, we're gonna we're gonna. Yeah, it's gonna change. She hanging around for. She's nineties. She's in her 90s, right? Yeah, but like, that doesn't matter. No one's going to the, – the the feds aren't going to be like, you know what, Liz? You, you've had a good run. We're going to take you off the this bill. That's not going to happen. Well, she when might she not dies, be around she's when 94. They make that like, so they what? have to change that bill when she dies, don't No. If anything, yes. they'll be like, look, it's a legacy. She's on all of our coins. She's on our bills. I'm over it. Yeah, and who that's do you think was on run, our coins though, before like, her? That's enough. Yeah, okay. So then who would you put on, on the 20? I'll put the king. Alex Trebek, you're not putting Alex. Alex Trebek. No, you're not putting Alex Look, Trebek. Man. No. Like, I don't. I don't want to speak ill of the dead. Like I, you know, Alex Trebek meant a lot to a lot of people, but Alex Trebek does not warrant being put on. Currency. I'm just kidding, people. See, that's why yeah, I want better if material. Fox Perry. For the Howie Meeker, though. Popular. Howie Meeker on a twenty. Now we're talking. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. I think you're it takes... a Nanaimo girl there, Aslam. How would uh, okay, you whoa, whoa! Sorry, I grew up there. I wasn't born there. Let's be really clear for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it takes more thought than just three of us, you know, trying to put our three brain cells together to figure I'll this out. I'll tell you out. who I. You want, hey, now, you what want are a legitimate you defending name? against Nanaimo? Like you said, you grew up there, but you weren't born there. That is correct. Why? Why are we having such a a, a difference? What's wrong with it? Nothing's wrong with it. I just like to clarify that I wasn't born there. I'm not a. Yeah, but you know. it sounds like. Go ahead. You're say not it. an island girl. Um, I don't. A part of me here. for sure is because I grew up there for more than a decade. I did all my kindergarten to grade twelve there, and then as soon as I graduated, I left. All right, Aslam. There you I go. Love you, but we got to get going here because we got the uh, the new head of BC Hockey who's going to join us here in a moment. But I'll tell you what, real quick. Sure. Legit name for somebody on a dollar bill, uh, one of our dollar bills. Yeah. Sam Steele. You want oh. the story of that guy? Go Google Sam Steele, and I'll tell you, man, there's a guy who meant a lot to the shaping of this country, especially here in Western Canada. That's a name that would deserve some large consideration in my books. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sonia. All right. There she is. Sonia Aslam from News 1130 joining us here this morning. Coming up in a moment, the new executive and the new head of BC Hockey, Cameron Hope, will join us and discuss the challenges that hockey, man, moms and dads, kids, all being impacted right now because of the new COVID restrictions. Hockey's challenges we'll discuss with Hockey's Head here in British Columbia next on Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 7.33 here on this Tuesday morning. Sabalski, Solkowski hanging out with you. Your Canucks commute coming your way at 8 o'clock. And we'll be joined by the voice of Hockey Night in Canada, longtime Canucks voice as well, Jim Houston drops by for a little hockey conversation. Uh, speaking of hockey, it's uh, unique times right now, Perry. Here for a lot of hockey moms and hockey dads and, and kids trying to play the game as well these days. Well, and you need answers, right? And it, it's a difficult situation. I know that on Saturday I was up by the rink and there's a group of parents, obviously their their sons or daughters playing inside, just kind of waiting for it to be done. And and that was pre-Saturday afternoon's press conference and uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry suggesting here's what we have to do. So a lot of questions. You've had them with soccer. And I think a lot of parents having them right now. Maybe we can get some answers with hockey. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we go to uh, a guy who would have a pretty good sense of how things are going from a, a hockey standpoint here in the province of British Columbia, the new chief executive officer. Uh, talk about uh, dealing with a lot just two weeks onto the job, but Cameron Hope joins us this morning. Cameron, how are you, sir? Good morning, guys. Doing well. This is exactly what you signed up for when you, when you took the job, right? <laughs> okay, let's handle a global pandemic and how it impacts our sport here in the province. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, it's... Uh... It's unusual times for everybody, but it really is an unusual time for hockey. So, Cameron, do most associations have an answer and know this morning what they're supposed to be doing over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, they do. Um, you know, as you guys know, we've been we've been going through this now for for a long time. Uh, we were in the middle of the hockey season back in March uh, when we had to unwind things. So, um, all of the associations across the province have been been exceptional in adapting to whatever the situation is on the ground, wherever they are. And with this, uh, you know, with what's happening right now in November of 2020, um, they've all been pretty, uh, pretty able to adapt their programs. Um, as you guys know, over the weekend, there was a change in the direction from public health uh, affecting a pretty big part of the province in the lower mainland. Uh, 
Um, the rest of the province can carry on in what is essentially phase three, which is competition, but parts of the province have to go back to essentially phase two, which is non-competition, but uh, they're able to deliver the programs on the ice with practice and so on. Cameron Hope from BC Hockey with us here on Sportsnet 650. How much of a challenge is that? Because I'm, I'm when you've got so many associations across the province, I mean, so many associations just across Metro Vancouver for that matter, where I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a number that want to continue to try to push, right? Like, like, do you have to deal with that, Cameron? Where yeah. I think everybody wants to try to do more. Oh, it's for the kids. It's for the kids. And I'm sure there's probably a little bit of self-serving involved as well that you probably have to manage, right? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think the problem, if it is a problem, comes from the enormity of the number of people that are affected uh, by this that are uh, involved in hockey. We've got, you know, province-wide, more than 55,000 players registered this year to play. You add in the coaches, volunteers, and all of the parents who are affected. Whenever the landscape like this shifts underneath them and their schedules are affected, uh, it causes a little bit of mayhem, as you can imagine. But here's the thing that was most surprising to me on uh, Saturday when uh, Bonnie Henry uh, got up in front of that lectern and, and you know made some changes is that how quickly everybody reacted. I mean, there was obviously a huge flurry of communication going around the province in and amongst the associations, uh, the leaders of the districts all over the province. But everybody settled in pretty quickly, adapted quickly, uh, and you know came out of the weekend with clear direction to their members about what that's going to look like for the next couple of weeks. So it was gratifying to see that the, the uh, communication at least, but the system as a whole works really well when it comes to hockey and that everybody feels like they're in this together. What are you allowed? Are, are you, are both parents allowed to go into a rink or no? I'm assuming, I don't know if you heard the story camera, just, I was coming out of the Port Moody rink the other day and I saw a group of parents. I thought, okay, is there, is there a one parent limit? What is the situation? Does it change per association? Yeah, it, it changes depending where you are in the province right now, obviously with the uh, current yeah. order, but it also changes based upon what the situation is on the ground with the facilities. I think one thing that uh, parents sometimes overlook is their program and you know their particular team and association may have an idea about what they allow, but it really comes down to what the facility can accommodate and whether they're prepared to you know, let a certain number of people in so that they can be socially distanced. So um, everybody's been pretty flexible. Uh, it's hard to, for me to give you a hard and fast rule because there really isn't one. We know that the maximum number of people that can be in these facilities when there's competition going on is 50, but that really depends on the facility. That's a maximum. Cameron Hope from uh, BC Hockey with us here on Sportsnet 650. I mean, obviously, flexibility's got to be the name of the game this season, right? I mean, it's two weeks kind of dealing with this now, but I mean, knowing that in the back of your mind, this could be longer or there might be more of these. Man, that's exactly right. It's all about flexibility. So, you know, from our perspective at BC Hockey, we just want all the associations to be able to deliver, you know, a health, safety, safe hockey experience for everybody, regardless of what it looks like. But, you know, with the maximum that we can do to get back to quote unquote normal hockey. Um, but, you know, this last weekend has taught us that, you know, from time to time there may be little setbacks as we go along. But, um, yeah, the, I guess the, the, the thing that we can do to make sure that everybody's on, on the ball on this is to make sure that our communication is, is done well. And through Via Sport and through uh, our website and, you know, getting down the chain to our districts, the communication has been exceptional. You know, in today's day and age, the technology is there to get that information out quickly. Uh, Cameron, you know, as, as we would expect early in the morning, we've got a lot of hockey parents listening. 
a good text here from Kelowna, and I don't know how to address it, but as I read it, um, yeah, I, I would be confused too, as he states. It says, my 13-year-old son uh, plays, and the team has to dress outside. Then after the game, when they are sweating, they're allowed to change in the dressing room. Yeah. Signed Nelson yeah. confused. And I would go, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, there are some glitches. Um, and again, it, and that's not the case everywhere either. I mean, it really depends on what they can do in terms of spacing in the dressing rooms as well, uh, depending on the facility. So um, I, guess, I guess the bottom line is um, we try to do the best we can to follow the orders, but not completely close down the ability of uh, youngsters around the province to enjoy this game. And so, you know, we give a little here and we take a little there. Uh, we just make sure that we adapt whatever bias board is telling us uh, in terms of what the safe way to deliver the game is and adapt it to hockey and do the best we can. And um, I think most parents uh, as well as everybody that's involved in the game is in a position to kind of roll with it for now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, hope that it's not forever and just uh, do the best we can. Um, you know, hopefully this is a little bit of a setback and we'll be back to competition here in a couple of weeks, you know, fingers crossed. Cameron, I would say what a start to begin a new job as the CEO here of uh, BC Hockey. I, I can only imagine it only gets better from here, I would think. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Hey, hockey's fun, guys, as you know. Yeah. I mean, this is all about getting people on the ice and getting them playing. And I think you know, we've been lucky in BC as well. You know, We've been able to do that. Uh, and yeah. some places across the country have had some challenges that way, even getting people on the ice. So um, I'm thankful for what we've been able to do. I'm thankful that players are playing. Um, and uh, hockey's supposed to be fun, and I can't wait to get back to it. Well, and you know, the one thing is you always have the term hockey parents, but hopefully you haven't had to deal with a lot of that and everyone's understanding. Let, let me ask you this, and I, I'm guessing the question is no, but can there be any form of, of championships come springtime um, for minor hockey? Yeah, you know, great question. Um, you know, we've specifically indicated that championships are off for this year really just to take the pressure off of the associations to try to jam in uh, schedules and to start their planning process for, you know, what is really a big undertaking. Um, so minor hockey championships within BC hockey are off for this year, but that doesn't mean we won't be able to create something depending on what the landscape looks like as we get into the spring. Um, you know, we want the players to play. We want the games to be meaningful. So we'll see how it goes as we go along. Um, but I guess if I could, uh, see the future. They they put me on that five dollar bill. <laughs> a humble brag, right there, Cameron. Uh, thanks for doing this this morning. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, unique, challenging, difficult. Um, but you know, I think I think for the most part, the good outweighs the bad in this, and um, people people are I think understanding for the most part. So thanks for talking it out, and I, I think thanks for clarifying stuff for a lot of people that are impacted this morning. Man, that's, uh, you, I think you nailed it there. Uh, as long as we stay flexible, this is a good news story that we've got these players on the ice. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Cameron. Uh, Thanks, there Cameron. he is, Cameron Hope, the uh, the new executive uh, of BC Hockey, kind of dealing with what mm, so many of us are impacted by, it. and not just hockey pair. I mean, it's it's volleyball right now. It's basketball. It's it's soccer. Mm -hmm. It's it's anybody who goes to, uh, you know, spin classes like you're impacted by, people that go to yoga classes. I mean, we're kind of all in this together right now. 
Well, and I think, and I would say this, and, and uh, you know, for Nelson, who texted that question, his son's 13 plays, and then they dress while he's sweating in the dressing room. I, I remember a story that Cassie Campbell told me once where she had done something on the ice and kind of hit a player illegally and was back on the bench. And she said it was so embarrassing because her mom came down and grabbed her from the bench and said, out of here. The coach didn't say anything, but her mom said, that's my kid, so I'm going to overrule. I don't like what she just did there. You know, if, if you're uncomfortable with the situation that your child's in, like, you're the parent, too. You can go, hey, man, play the game, and then I don't want you changing in the dressing room. Just take your skates off and go, right? At the end of the day, you are the parent, but uh, good on Cameron. It sounds, for the most part, parents have been flexible, and they're trying to move things forward as the best they can, and you just have to be patient. For sure. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, COVID-19 and, and everything that's being impacted right now, uh, word coming down out of the province of Ontario this morning, a record high 1,388 new COVID-19 wow. cases in the last 24 hours. So almost 1,400 new cases. You know, they announced yesterday we were almost at 1,000 in two days um, between uh, Sunday and Monday. Uh, so, you know, here we go. Uh, let's see if we can try to get this curve flattened. I mean, this is what these new restrictions are for. But it's interesting, Pear, just quickly. Um, there is an overwhelming majority of people in a recent poll that suggested 76% said they'd be okay with a curfew if things were serious enough and if it was recommended by public health. That's more than two-thirds of Canadians right now. I tell you something that the medical experts had always said in the summertime. When that second wave comes, it's going to be worse. I think we're in the middle of it right now, right? They were correct. Well, we'll find out. All right, 744. Jim Houston will join us on the Canucks commute uh, coming up at 8 o'clock. And in a moment, Pear? Yes, we'll give you some details. Someone wants some money and he doesn't deserve it. Where do you stand with it? That's all ahead. 744, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. All right, 749, your Canucks commute coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll catch up with Hockey Night Canada's Jim Hewson uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, a reminder, this hour is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber. The smart alternative, visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, or Peter Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. Perry Solkowski, the floor is yours. A little tapestry of sports and something we call no BS, just PS. Well, facts and figures is what's going on in the world of sports and entertainment. Shall we begin? And we start in Houston. Former Astros GM, the cheating days of the Astros. Jeff Luna saying, hey, man, I had a contract that paid me $31 million. It was guaranteed. You still owe me some money. MLB clearly stated that people leading the baseball operation and field operation should be held accountable for these actions, and I agree with them. That's the owner who pays the checks. That's the one who's being sued. Luno saying, man, I was a total scapegoat. Everyone else involved seems to be okay, James. But he's saying he's owed $11 million. Oh, $11 million, huh? You know what? It's, it's amazing, though, how many guys have quickly been hired over the last, what, 10 days, um, particularly A.J. Hinch and um, Alex Cora, right? Both guys mm -hmm. got suspended for a year, but, you know, there's other franchises that have quickly overlooked that and said, you know what? We'll take you back. Boston, Detroit. And I, yeah, I wonder if that was the momentum that made him say, hey, we're going to push this forward. Hey, the way you answered that makes our next one smooth. P.S. In the world of cartoon creators... Well, we lost a good one on the weekend. I'll never see his hungry face again. 
Maggie? Look, Scoob, you've been turned to stone. <laughs> Ken Spears was the co-creator of Scooby-Doo. He died over the weekend only three months after his partner in creating Scooby-Doo uh, died. Not only cartoons, he was also a consultant for the original Planet of the Apes movie. Scooby-Doo, I can still watch five minutes of Scooby-Doo. That's a classic. Oh my god! And and how many times that they have you know rebooted you know Scooby Doo and there's still movies that that get done, mm -hmm. TV series that have been done. Uh, Matt Lillard, who was uh, from the Scream movies, who also played Shaggy uh, in the live action, he's kind of the voice of Shaggy now, taking over for Casey Kasem in the last several years. Um, but man, like Scooby Doo was a fixture on after school um, as a kid. I mean, it was Scooby and Scrappy Doo. Uh, we still actually have, I actually have the box set upstairs. Um, not that anybody really watches DVDs in the house anymore, but we actually have um, the uh, series, the uh, first year of Scooby-Doo upstairs, the box. Yeah, we had we had a PC game where it was a mystery that I played with Hannah all the time. And I can remember leaving work one day and parked in front of the Vancouver Art Gallery was, was the mystery man because they shot the Scooby-Doo here in Vancouver. So there you go. There uh, was a mystery machine. There was, there was somebody had a mystery machine in Ladner a few years ago and like and I mean like it was perfect. Like it was wonderfully painted. Every it was like it was spectacular. I totally took a selfie in front of it. Yeah, PS uh, they won't be driving the van that fast certainly at the Vietnamese Grand Prix which was to debut on the Formula 1 circuit. That's not going to happen because the man who was in charge and behind getting the Vietnamese Grand Prix on the Formula One circuit uh, was just indicted. He has been charged criminal offenses, and he was the one guy behind it all. And now that he's gone, the government goes, you know what? There's a lot of other issues that we've got to deal with here. This was your baby. We don't care. So they have canceled it off the racing calendar. And they say likely will never be put back on. It was supposed to debut in April. Huh. Can't do it. I didn't even know about that one. Uh, and finally, a great news story. P.S. Over the weekend, Chris Nikic achieved something incredible. What did he do? He's 21 years old, has Down syndrome, the first Down syndrome athlete to complete the 140-mile Ironman triathlon, the 26-mile oh run, a 100-mile bike ride, the two-mile swim. He got it done, beat the deadline time by 16 minutes, did it with his dad and friends. Incredible effort by Chris. Did it in Florida on the weekend. Fantastic. That is, that's an incredible story right there. Yeah, it is great. Which uh, allows me to say, hey, BC Special Olympics, Canucks for Kids Autism, uh, today at 7 o'clock, you can go to the BC Special Olympics website. We will have our virtual gala, and there'll be a lot of Canucks conversation like we're going to have coming up because Nate Schmidt will join me, Brandon Sutter will join me, Jay Beagle will join me. So a lot of fun. A lot of people can't get to these galas, James, that we're involved in. This one is virtual and an awful lot of Canucks talk and in care of Canucks Autism and Cares for Kids Fund and, of course, BC Special Olympics because those athletes can do some incredible things just like Chris. Still time to join tonight, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of auction items up there. You want to go fishing with Brendan Morrison and with uh, Willie Mitchell. That's an auction item um, that you can bid online. So a lot of things to get to. We'll give you more information on the on the back half of the hour. But yeah, BC Special Olympics, go to their website and can watch the uh, gala tonight.
All right, it is uh, five minutes to eight o'clock. Uh, don't forget, very good cause tonight and a chance to win some great stuff. This is the time of the year, by the way. Virtual galas. Check them out online. Honestly, you might be able to find a couple of sweet home run deals this time around and raising money for a real good cause, like Perry was alluding to. All right, five minutes to eight o'clock. Your Canucks commute is coming up in moments. We'll catch up with the voice of Hockey Night in Canada, Jim Houston, next, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Spicing up your morning drive with the Canuck commute. Simmons after the puck. Smith shoots. Great save, Smith had the game's second goal on his stick, and Luongo miraculously snatched it away. This is the starting lineup with James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski. It is uh, 8 o'clock, hour number three on this Tuesday, November the 10th. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and Jim Houston, uh, the voice of Hockey Night in Canada, longtime voice for the Vancouver Canucks, will uh, drop on by in just a few minutes. I don't know if we've actually had Huey on this show at this particular time since we've launched, um, what, back in 2017, Pear? Uh, you know, we had this discussion yesterday, and I said, well, guaranteed. Of course, I did the midday show with Randeep that Jimmy has been on. I thought the answer would be yes. He he will know. He'll know if he's been asked to wake up at 8 in the morning and talk to us, although Jimmy's probably up and already been on the treadmill or went running. Um, I would be surprised at that. But, you know, I will defer to you and Mike saying, no, I don't think you have. Um, yeah, as far as I can remember, I don't think he's been on here. Um, so... A story on Reach Deep yesterday kind of popped up as Todd Diamond, uh, the agent for Nikita Triamkin, uh, joined uh, Randeep and Reach uh, yesterday. And, you know, the old flirtation with Nikita continues here in this market all these years. And uh, once again, uh, it was asked if there was ever a possible fit again for Nikita here to possibly return into the Canucks fold. Here's what Todd Diamond, his agent, had to say when asked about that yesterday. We've had so many discussions in the past uh, and 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 uh, thought we were going to be at a different place this past season. And for whatever reason, that didn't work out. So it's hard to say how next year is going to work out. And, um, you know, after that, Nikita will be a, a restricted free agent. So, um, I mean, it's hard to say. Uh, again, it's probably going to depend, uh, you know, when and and how much uh, they re-sign uh, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen for. And, um, you know, and basically, you know, what's left and if, if that's enough to get the deal done, assuming they still want Nikita. If they don't want Nikita, I'm sure we can easily find uh, – you know, 10, 15, 20 clubs that do. All right, so there's Todd Diamond advocating uh, for his client, as any good advocate should do. Um, but, Perry, like, is does, does this flirtation and this sort of romanticism continue with Triamkin? Is this simply because the Canucks just haven't had a lot of success outside of Quinn Hughes when it comes to developing defensemen? I, I feel like that's partly it. Well, I'll give credit to Todd Diamond to act like this is live and die with the Canucks. I mean, he <laughs> said there, hey, you know, unfortunately, the talks have not gone uh, as we would hope. Guess what? If Nikita Triampkin was incredible in the KHL, talks would go pretty good because I don't know of too many pro hockey players that are outstanding and have an option to play in the NHL that don't exercise that because the team wants them so badly. Um, Nikita Triampkin played his 60-plus games when Lucas Spessa was on this team. 
Ben Hutton was part of that team. Alex Biega was there. Troy Stetcher was a young hockey player. It's not like he was the end-all and be-all. And thankfully, this organization has continued to move forward. Um, you know, the fact that he thinks 15 or 20 teams were going to have an interest in his in his client. Well, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be sure to say Triampkin's playing in the NHL somewhere. I think if he's good enough, he's playing. Um, fact is, he's not good enough. And I think on a depth chart, there's guys in the Canucks organization that have passed him because whether he doesn't have an interest, but basically it's, hey, you're not good enough for us to make way for you because any team would make way for a player who can help them. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's certainly fair. Um, all right, we'll uh, we'll continue the conversation in just a little bit. But you know, also this past weekend, hey, look, there was an outpouring of um, just really waxing poetic in terms of the passing of the late Alex Trebek. But also, you know, from a hockey standpoint, a guy who really, really influenced and helped shape and inform people about the game of hockey. And I'm talking about the iconic Howie Meeker who passed away over the weekend at the age of 97. One of his colleagues joins us here now with the voice of Hockey Night in Canada, longtime Canucks broadcaster as well, Mr. Jim Houston. Huey, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, thanks. Nice to be with you guys. Yeah, nice to, nice to catch up with you as well, sir. It's uh, Howie Meeker, what comes to mind when you think of Howie? You know, we... We often throw this around about people when they leave us that, you know, he was one of a kind. You can truly say that about Howie. He was one of a kind. Like, I've never met anybody like him. There was, uh, he was just a wonderful, gregarious, great man. I spent hours and hours and hours with him, worked with him, traveled with him, and, uh, he was a teacher of the game and understood the game and was so far ahead of everybody else who was analyzing the game that uh, we didn't realize it at the time. You think about some of the things that Howie espoused in the 80s and the 90s when the game was all about big and tough and how he was in his inimitable fashion squawking about how we needed better skilled players and that our Canadian players weren't skilled enough and they didn't skate well enough and they didn't handle a puck well enough. And people kind of got tired of hearing him say that, but he was repetitive about it because he truly believed it. And I'm glad that in his uh, waning years, in the last few years, he had a chance to watch the game and see how it improved and it was exactly what he talked about. Our Canadian players and generally the NHL has become uh, such a fast, skilled league. And that's exactly what he was talking about. Didn't want guys clubbing each other over the head. Instead, score goals, be flashy, be skilled. And so that was Howie. He was uh, a wonderful guy. I had, um, I was telling some friends here the last couple of days that uh, when I traveled with him and when we worked with him, I would have like 10 arguments a day with Howie, but always with a smile on my face. Because we, he would, if he picked a subject and went on about it, <clears throat> he was adamant, and he'd wear you out trying to win the battle. And uh, <laughs> but it was fun. He just, he was a, just a, a fabulous guy, and he truly was one of a kind. Jimmy, was he one of the first guys to kind of call out the pro players, right? Because I mean, hey, when they made a mistake, he wasn't going to kind of uh, smooth it over. Uh, and I, at that point, was he one of the first that had that edge that if you made the mistake, he was going to let everybody watching Hockey Night Canada know you need to be yeah. better? Yeah, he um, and he didn't make a lot of friends because of that, because nobody else was doing that, Perry. Like if, if, if he would he would pick out a mistake and other guys would sugarcoat it a little bit. 
and you know you you'd sort of point out where the mistake was made how he would bludgeon the guy right away he'd go after him and say this is why this goal happened this is the guy who made a mistake and i don't think he was ever wrong or certainly not very often in my opinion um but it was uh, it was pretty much unheard of in sports television at the time, not just the NHL, but all over the place. And Howie was a front runner, and he lived, you know, he but he was there all the time, you know. If 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 uh, if he called me out for a mistake that I made in a game, uh, you knew that the next day, if he was in the city, he'd be around, <clears throat> and you could come to him and talk to him about it. He didn't hide from anybody, but he was uh, he was certainly a. Uh, at the front of our business in terms of, and he didn't do it on purpose. I don't think he just, you know, he, he didn't pick out and pick on people, but if, if uh, a play happened and a mistake happened that led to a goal or a penalty or something, he'd just point it out and he'd point out who the culprit was instead of, you know, he, he wouldn't beat around the bush about anything like that. Jim Houston with us here on Sportsnet 650 to kind of change gears a little bit. I'll bring it back to the home team here in this market, uh, Huey, and, and you look at what the Canucks have had from an off season. It's really the first time that we've had a chance to connect on this show. Um, what have you made of what the Canucks have done so far? I mean, you, you bring in Holt being a, a Vesna winner who's who's had a, a few bumps in the road the last couple of seasons, but um, a pretty good defenseman in Nate Schmidt as well. How do you assess the off season for the Canucks? Uh, in a couple of different ways. I like some of the things that have happened, but I think that they, like some other teams too, got caught um, because of what's happened. At no fault of their own, um, because of a pandemic and because the league had to shut down that the cap isn't going to go up, and then and that strapped everybody. And so you look back at some of the things that the Canucks did over recent years, which was probably overpaying some older guys, not probably, but overpaying some older guys to come here. They became really important players, um, as we saw in the summer tournament, uh, but they also make a lot of money. And and so when free agency came and it was time for guys to start moving, the Canucks couldn't do as much as they wanted, I don't think, as quickly as maybe they should have or would have in normal circumstances. And the climate around them was such that I don't blame the players for jumping on the first offer for Troy Stetcher, who would, you know, I mean, he'll he'll be back here someday. He'll be living here. Um, and he, so he left because there was a job. <clears throat> same with Toffoli, same with Tanev. Markstrom was a different story um, because, in my opinion, I don't think you could give him six years with, with Thatcher Demko waiting on the doorstep. So I thought that move was a pretty good one, and I think Braden Holtby's a good goaltender. I think he'll get them through a couple of years here, and then we'll find out if they're right, if Thatcher Demko is going to be the number one guy and take the job and go with it forever. That's the gamble there. So I don't mind that one. Top four on defense looks pretty good. I think Chris Tanev is a real glue guy, a real team guy, and despite the fact that he was injured a lot, I, I think you need guys like that. So uh, from my perspective, it was disappointing to see, see him move along. And then, they, you know, they couldn't get to Foley, but you've got to hope that your young players that you're developing are ready to step up and fill that void. I mean, he wasn't here for very long, so it wasn't like they lost a long-term winger. But um, in general, I would say that they've done pretty well under the circumstances, and the circumstances are that um, there wasn't enough money to go around and we're at a really uncertain time, and guys had to jump and take jobs that, you know, they didn't want to wait. And I don't blame them. Jim, could you see it being a step back next year to take a step forward in two years' time? 
Possibly. It kind of, kind of depends on who's ready to step up and be even a little better. You know, they're, they're guys are at the right age. Elias Pettersson can be, be better. Besser can be better. You got to hope that Vertanen steps up. Uh, is Tyler Mott ready to have a bigger role? All those kind of things. You, you look at your young guys and you could take a, could take a step forward. Um, then you have to remember, you know, what happened in that, the terrific playoff that, uh, was inspired largely at the end by goaltending. So you need to be a little better up front and you need to be a little more consistent up front. So I don't see it as, uh, I don't know. I, I, you're probably right that there could be a step back, but it also could be vaulting forward if all the young guys continue to progress the way they have. Who's the, who's the team right now that, I mean, it seems like all the speculation of a Canadian division, Huey, um, with what's going on and, and the likelihood of this happening based on uh, the spread of COVID-19 and the vaccine probably not coming anytime soon, at least until the new year. So we could, there's been all sorts of suggestions of power rankings, which Canadian team kind of tops the list. In your mind, based on how the dust has kind of settled on this offseason to this point, who, who's got the top spot in your mind? Well... Uh, it's always interesting to speculate that before it happens. Uh, yes. Toronto's still going to be a really good team. I'm not sure that they're in a position to to win a Stanley Cup, but they're a really good regular season team, and I, I know they're going to score a ton of goals. If there's a tournament amongst all the Canadian teams, they'll be right there. But it's a pretty interesting time because there's a lot of Canadian teams that I think are sort of on the threshold, including Vancouver, um, on the threshold of being – a really good team. The Oilers will be better and they always have the, you know, they'll have the two best players in any tournament that's played amongst the Canadian teams. Um, I think Calgary's improved itself. I like what Winnipeg went through last year was really tough, but that's still a really good team. And we know that Montreal has really improved. It would be fantastic to see a Canadian division and not fantastic to see it because of what's happening in our world, but for, Hockey made for television, which is, this is probably going to be again. Um, it'd be fantastic to see a Canadian division, and every time we turn the TV on, it's one of the Canadian teams playing against an, uh, the other one. So um, I think that would be terrific and fun to watch and really competitive because uh, the Canadian teams are all pretty good right now, it's, with the exception yeah. of Ottawa. And I think that you know they're going to take a couple of years to get rolling. But they're close, but, I think, right? Like they're they're a lot closer yeah, than I think not, people realize. And I don't think yet. They're still they're as green as can be. Yeah. So that's you know, that's gonna be a work in progress for a little while. But <clears throat> the other ones have stepped forward a little bit. Um and I'm really interested to see, for example, what Montreal looks like because of the off season that uh Mark Burzvan had. Do you think we see uh teams managed differently if you know, when we see what the schedule is, but if they're playing four and seven or trying to play a, an awful lot of hockey in a short space of time if they're in bubbles, Jim? Do you think we almost see load management and, and off days for healthy players just to, to you know, navigate what this season may look like? I suppose it's possible. It's kind of a new world, and you can look back to the summer to see how that worked out. <clears throat> for the most part, it was a because that was a Stanley Cup championship tournament and it wasn't the regular season, it was go for it, right? Uh, <clears throat> they didn't worry about load management. Andre Vasilevsky played every day. Anton Hudobin played every day. That's that's the way the teams did it because they were going for it. I guess if you're if you're gonna have the potential of two weeks of play and then a break 
And if you're going to have to play, yeah, four, four to five, four or five games a week, um, you're going to see a lot more of teams using two goaltenders. They probably will expand the rosters a little bit so you could have a couple of extra defensemen around because guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to get tired. It's just a different way of dealing with things. It's uh, it's it's a new world. We saw the playoffs during the summer, but we haven't seen this for a regular season. And it depends on how many games they want to try and play and how they're going to play them. But I suspect that it's, it's going to be condensed. And, boy, it, it'll be interesting because we've never done it before. We've never seen it before. And so coaches and managers are going to have to deal with it in a different way, just the way they've had to deal with their teams and the cap in a completely different way. They're going to have to coach and manage in a completely different way. So I think anything's on the table and there will be a strategy where a light comes on for everybody and, say, and people are saying, wow, hadn't thought about that. So-and-so is d- doing this and it works and their team is better for it. You know, rotating extra defensemen in as you know, it, it could, could be any number of things, but somebody's going to find a way to make their team better when they're probably fatigued and it's a different kind of tournament because this is going to be something that, Probably we've never seen before. Again. <laughs> Again. Uh, Huey, I've got to be rem- – I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you because I feel like since the last couple of years I've been uh, a part of the uh, EA Sports NHL video game franchise the last couple of years and following in massive footsteps, um, like you kind of got the ball rolling many moons ago. And I have people ask me all the time, have you ever talked to Jim Houston about his experience about voicing the video game? Because I guess people reference um, the experience or, or in interviews that you've done in the past, like doing the phone book, listing all the names, yeah. and just how much work it can be. How about your, from, from, one, from one voice guy to another, how was your experience? Um I would say two things about it, James. That the the first thing was it was really cool to be on the cutting edge of something like that. The first year that I did it, um, nobody had ever done it before. No game had ever had play by play. Play by play, yeah. They hadn't had room for it. <clears throat> there wasn't the. There was just not the space and computer world in the computer world for that sort of thing. And so when it first came along, and the the IT people came to them and said you've got this room, you can do as much as you want now. And the producers all looked at each other and they looked at me and said, how the hell are we going to do this? What do we do? (laughs) And so it was really cool to be at the start of that. And we collectively figured out ways to say things. And, you know, in the, in the, if you listen back to the early days of it, it sounded like it was all stitched together. But then we found in subsequent years, ways of using different inflections and using phrases that could easily be stitched together to sound like a sentence. And it got a lot smoother as it went along. So that was the cool part of it. On the other side, it was the most tedious work I've ever done in my life. (laughs) Oh my God. It was locked in a phone booth, reading the phone book in, in several different intonations of, you know, and we did, not only NHL players, but everybody in the American Hockey League who might make the NHL and yeah. every international player. I can't tell you how many names we slaughtered in the international scene because we'd never heard of them before. Um, <laughs> but we got them all done. But I would, I would go for hours and hours and hours in that campus in Burnaby <clears throat> voicing all of this stuff, and we would stop when my head would explode. I'd just have to finally – either my voice would go – or I would just say, I just can't do this anymore. I got to leave today. I can't. I'm, I'm going to go out of my mind. 
So in that sense, the, the finished product was kind of neat, but the, after several years of being locked in there doing that, it was, uh, it was really, really tedious work. How sausage is made, right? Oh, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> um, and it was hard to, and it was the same every year. So I, I would almost cringe after about five years of it when the phone would ring after the season was over and they'd say, when can you come to the studio and do more of this? Like, <laughs> when do you want to go to jail? <laughs> but, it was, uh, but it was a pretty cool project. Tell me how you really feel, Huey. Yeah, there you go. Maybe to explain something about Jim in the last couple of years. Not you, Jim Houston, but Jimmy James. Uh, Oh, that's great. Huey, thank you. Uh, Appreciate this. Always nice to catch up. Uh, Who knows? I I think this is a little easier to wait for than it was back in March and April because at some point they'll be back on the ice and look forward to to what we have as a product all over the league. Well, they are determined. I know that. Um, Sadly... It's just, you know, it's more about what's going on in our world here. And uh, I would like to see them back on the ice, but I'd also see like to see our communities without the spread of the coronavirus and without what we've been through for the last nine months and, and, and what will continue for the rest of the winter, I'm sure. So, yeah, the hockey world will come back, but, but that's, you know, it, it's like when you get in a car accident and everybody's okay. You can fix the car. You just hope that everybody's all right. And that's the way I feel about our world right now. Let's have, let's have everybody be okay, and then we'll get back to the sports that we love because it will happen. Nice to catch up with you, sir. Well said, and uh, stay safe out there, and hopefully we, we get to listen to you uh, calling games uh, sooner rather than later. Good to talk to you guys. Take care. Yeah, you as well. Did there you. he is. Uh, the voice of Hockey Night in Canada, Jim Houston. Uh, Sharing stories, perspective, analysis, and, and looking back fondly on how we meet her here this morning on Sportsnet 650. I'll say this, Pear. I just last week, I think I probably rattled off about 3,000 names and what Huey was talking about, like junior hockey names, you know, mm-hmm. American Hockey League names, names you've never heard before. And, you know, you try to, like, you know, some of them, you don't have um, a pronunciation guide to, to reference some of these names when you're going through for the video game. And so you kind of look, like, there was a time, and you can, you'll can you appreciate this with the last name Solkowski. Like, you go back 30, 40 years ago, like, that might as well have been in hieroglyphics for people, right? Looking at, at Solkowski yes. way back when, like, it was the same as Savalski. People were just, it got kicked around all the time. Like, these, our names are like Smith. And Jones now compared to as as we continue to become more of more of a global sport, the the game of hockey. But man, like you just you look to YouTube and see if somebody's got called a name at some point and and just try to fake it till you make it. But about three thousand names in a in a phone booth there uh, last week and <laughs> like wow. Two two things about names. I can remember uh, when I was doing the half hour show in Edmonton. Bruce Buchanan was the voice of the Edmonton Oilers for the long time, a hockey yeah, guy, right? Bucky. And back yeah. then the hockey games were simple. But he was doing a summer show with me, and it was during tennis. And Goran Ivanisevich was, you know, a a prominent tennis player boy, and he just spent forever Ivanisevich, Ivanisevich, you know, trying to get it. <laughs> and at that time, also our producer was a massive a fan of the Tour de France. And there was a Russian writer by the name of Diablo Ladini Abdushaparov. And she would always challenge me. She goes, you're not going to say the leader's name. I go, well, how do you pronounce it? She goes, Diablo Ladini Abdushaparov. So, you know, you walk around for a minute trying that, but you've got that going constantly with all these names. Uh, yeah, I can see it. 
sound like it got to Jimmy every once in a while. But hey, I just want you to fire out Selkowski so the nephews can have it. At some I think I, I thought I tried to get that in there at some point. Uh, but yes, I will. I will try to make that happen. There was well, you know what? Go back ten years ago and how quickly all of a sudden on the fly when you think of the Georgian loser who had died at the Olympics and, and not to, oh, to sure. bring it to a doom and gloom, but. You know, there was a name that, you know, all of a sudden it was breaking news, but like a name that had, you know, 20 letters in a last name and, and trying to figure out, okay, how do you pronounce this, right? And, you know, I remember a few people taking, you know, taking heat and taking criticism because they booted the name, but it was just, I mean, they weren't the only ones, right? All, uh, Nodar Kushimavili, I'm, I'm probably doing it wrong, no justice here right now, but... Uh, but in that moment, right, you're on the fly, it's breaking news, and all of a sudden that name gets thrown on your lap right in front of you, and you're going, uh, okay, how are we going to get through this, right? Yeah, and that's the one thing as a, a broadcaster, a little, a little more lenient in sports, but, you know, you want to get it right. I, You know, emceeing tonight, okay, make sure you give me all these names. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to butcher anybody's name, but you're putting it down on tape. You better make sure you have it right when you're putting it down on a game. Uh, you want to make sure, does someone know how it sounds? Is this correct? Um, and you always deal with it. It was funny. It reminds me, we're, we're getting this time, when Craig Berube was moved to Edmonton, I got a phone call from his dad and said, our name is actually Burby. Can you change it, Perry? So I did. Craig, Craig Burby is now at Edmonton Oilers. Uh, and then just lit up. No, it's not Burby. It's Berube. It has been for five years. No, but the dad said it's always been pronounced wrong. Well, and we've had that happen with the Canucks. How do you want to pronounce it? Well, this is how it's supposed to be. But about don't Pedersen, worry about changing it, right? Like uh, Pedersen. I mean, it, there was a point when the se- yes. when he began his rookie season, like Petey had kind of suggested. I think he was fine with being called Peterson, and and mm-hmm. what like like Elias, you know, is Elias here? I think he was fine with you know Elias Peterson. Like I think he was ready to go to the North Americanization, but I mean, like how many of us have tried to really emphasize it's Elias? Patterson, you know, like real, like all of a yes. sudden, like everybody's trying to pretend that they're Swedish all of a sudden, like to really c- hit home the accent. But it's okay to North Americanize all these other names uh, along the way, like Denny Potvin. Like for me, growing up in Eastern Canada, it was Denny Potvin. He goes to Lo- he goes to Long Island. I mean, Dennis Potvin, okay. right? Like yep. you just you Americanize names. Patrick Roy, right? I mean, Patrick Roy is like it's basically Roy. Some people might even go as far as Pat Roy. Yeah, and didn't they go? And what, it was Derek Roy too, wasn't it? And people, yes, was it but Derek Roy, Roy was Derek actually Roy? Derek Roy. Derek Roy. Yeah, but people going, oh, he's a hockey player. It's got to be Derek Waugh. No, it's Derek Roy, right? So, <laughs> there was. I, I will say this: we're up against the clock, but there was a public address announcer with the Ottawa Senators years ago in the early years, and uh, you know all the all the all the uh, announcements were done bi- bilingually in in Ottawa. Um, but and he was a French primarily brought and he tried to he made everybody French, like he made everybody. And so Derek Roy was Derek Roy, and and you know he took he took. Remember Terry Yake? Yes. Remember the former Terry NHL? Yake? Ter- yeah. yeah. Teriyaki. Teriyaki. <laughs> Teriyaki. <laughs> well, on the flip side, I'll remember my buddy's father, who was not gonna uh, you know francophone anything. It was. That Borgie Salming is good on Toronto. Borgie. Uh, I don't think it's Borgie. <laughs> the name game. Name game, yes. 829, uh, two guys who've got A-pluses in the name game. Sabalski, Sokowski, much more to come next here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. 
Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 834. Perry got a text in here to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Somebody pointing out uh, we're talking about names and pronunciations. It's got to be better than Dan from the afternoon show doing play-by-play. He makes everybody Italian. Everybody referring to uh, Dan Riccio on uh, Reach Deep. That is something I have noticed. Like, Riccio has tried to convert everybody. Like, I I think Mm -hmm. he would even try to make uh, Sabalski. Chabulski. Like, I think he would. Yeah. I agree with you. I I think he does. I I think he wants everyone on board. Riccio, though, I'll give one thing to Riccio when I was hosting a show with him at some point where uh, he got into a little bit of, uh, uh, started singing some opera. It was very good. Got a good voice, but he does he, have uh, a good voice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I... Deep reach alert. Deep reach alert. <laughs> I, I I'll give him credit, and you know I I think that the that is the sign of a true professional with Riccio. Um, you know, may struggle at times to carry a tune like in the modern era, but I mean, if you want to go anything, you know, from operatic, he, he's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that. Uh, a true pro really wants to emphasize the proper pronunciation of a name, um, no matter no matter their nationality, right? And I, I think that's I think that's noble. But sometimes I do find you know the, the horn should be sounded on the deep reach, right? Like if all of a sudden Alex Lafreniere sounds more Italian than French, then you got to sound the deep reach alert. Yeah, like it, I think for some it's a show off. Just say it as he would say it, but. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Says the English guy over there, right? Ty Smith. I was just reading <laughs> something about Ty Smith. Ty Smith. Um, Ty, look, listen, for... Ty Smith's a guy, and I, I know we're going to get to some hockey talk with, with Cameron Hope, the president yeah. of BC Hockey, but, you know, you always owe your levy where it's, you know, Ty Smith's a guy that now is at the point going, okay, should be making an impact in the NHL, should be a regular. Yeah, you, you you wait, right? Um, first round pick uh, from a couple of years Next ago. Time. See if uh, see if he's ready to make that jump. Uh, earlier this morning, we had a catch a uh, chance to catch up with the uh, new CEO of BC Hockey, and look, uh, Cameron Hope, and and look, the, so many of us are impacted by these new restrictions now uh, for kids, uh, for for moms and dads trying to figure out what can we do, where can you go work out, what what can you do, what can't you do. Um, as Dr. Bonnie kind of laid out the new rules, we spoke to uh, the new CEO of BC Hockey and discussed uh, the newest restrictions that are in place for the next couple of weeks and how it impacts the sport of hockey here in the province of British Columbia. You know, as you guys know, we've been we've been going through this now for for a long time. Uh, we were in the middle of the hockey season back in March uh, when we had to unwind things. So um, all of the associations across the province have been been exceptional in adapting to whatever the situation is on the ground, wherever they are. And with this, uh, you know, with what's happening right now in November of 2020, um, they've all been pretty, uh, pretty able to adapt their programs. Um, as you guys know, over the weekend, there was a change in the direction from public health, uh, affecting a pretty big part of the province in the lower mainland. Um, the rest of the province can carry on in what is essentially phase three, which is competition. But parts of the province have to go back to essentially phase two, which is non-competition, but uh, they're able to deliver the programs on the ice with practice and so on. 
Cameron Hope from BC Hockey with us here on Sportsnet 650. How much of a challenge is that? Because I'm, I'm when you've got so many associations across the province, I mean, so many associations just across Metro Vancouver for that matter, where I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a number that want to continue to try to push, right? Like, like, do you have to deal with that, Cameron? Where yeah. I think everybody wants to try to do more. Oh, it's for the kids. It's for the kids. And I'm sure there's probably a little bit of self-serving involved as well that you probably have to manage, right? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think the problem, if it is a problem, comes from the enormity of the number of people that are affected uh, by this that are uh, involved in hockey. We've got, you know, province-wide, more than 55,000 players registered this year to play. You add in the coaches, volunteers, and all of the parents who are affected. Whenever the landscape like this shifts underneath them and their schedules are affected, uh, it causes a little bit of mayhem, as you can imagine. But here's the thing that was most surprising to me on uh, Saturday when uh, Bonnie Henry uh, got up in front of that lectern and, and, you know, made some changes is that how quickly everybody reacted. I mean, there was obviously a huge flurry of communication going around the province in and amongst the associations, uh, the leaders of the districts all over the province. But everybody settled in pretty quickly, adapted quickly uh, and, you know, came out of the weekend with clear direction to their members about what that's going to look like for the next couple of weeks. So it was gratifying to see that the, the uh, communication at least, but the system as a whole works really well when it comes to hockey and that everybody feels like they're in this together. What are you allowed? Are, are you, are both parents allowed to go into a rink or no? I'm assuming, I don't know if you heard the story camera, just, I was coming out of the Port Moody rink the other day and I saw a group of parents. I thought, okay, is there, is there a one parent limit? What is the situation? Does it change per association? Yeah, it, it changes depending where you are in the province right now, obviously with the uh, current yeah. order, but it also changes based upon what the situation is on the ground with the facilities. I think one thing that uh, parents sometimes overlook is their program and you know their particular team and association may have an idea about what they allow, but it really comes down to what the facility can accommodate and whether they're prepared to you know, let a certain number of people in so that they can be socially distanced. So um, everybody's been pretty flexible. Uh, it's hard to, for me to give you a, a hard and fast rule because there really isn't one. We know that the maximum number of people that can be in these facilities when there's competition going on is 50, but that really depends on the facility. That's a maximum. Cameron Hope from uh, BC Hockey with us here on Sportsnet 650. I mean, obviously, flexibility's got to be the name of the game this season, right? I mean, it's two weeks kind of dealing with this now, but I mean, knowing that in the back of your mind, this could be longer or there might be more of these. Man, that's exactly right. It's all about flexibility. So, you know, from our perspective at BC Hockey, we just want all the associations to be able to deliver, you know, a health, safety, safe hockey experience for everybody, regardless of what it looks like. But, you know, with the maximum that we can do to get back to quote unquote normal hockey. Um, but, you know, this last weekend has taught us that, you know, from time to time there may be little setbacks as we go along. But, um, yeah, the, I guess the, the, the thing that we can do to make sure that everybody's on, on the ball on this is to make sure that our communication is, is done well. And through Viasport and through uh, our website and, you know, getting down the chain to our districts, the communication has been exceptional. You know, in today's day and age, the technology is there to get that information out quickly. Uh, Cameron, you know, as, as we would expect early in the morning, we've got a lot of hockey parents listening. A good text here from Kelowna, and I don't know how to address it, but as I read it, um, yeah, I, I would be confused too, as he states. It says, my 13-year-old son uh, plays, and the team has to dress outside. Then after the game, when they are sweating, they're allowed to change in the dressing room. 
Yeah. Signed Nelson yeah. confused. And I would go, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, there are some glitches. Um, and again, it, and that's not the case everywhere either. I mean, it really depends on what they can do in terms of spacing in the dressing rooms as well, uh, depending on the facility. So um, I guess I guess the bottom line is um, we try to do the best we can to follow the orders, but not completely close down the ability of uh, youngsters around the province to enjoy this game. And so, you know, we give a little here and we take a little there. Uh, we just make sure that we adapt whatever Viasport is telling us uh, in terms of what the safe way to deliver the game is and adapt it to hockey and do the best we can. And um, I think most parents, uh, as well as everybody that's involved in the game, is in a position to kind of roll with it for now, um, mm -hmm. you know, hope that it's not forever and just uh, do the best we can. Um, you know, hopefully this is a little bit of a setback and we'll be back to competition here in a couple of weeks, you know, fingers crossed. Cameron, I would say what a start to begin a new job as the CEO here of uh, BC Hockey. I, I can only imagine it only gets better from here, I would think. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Hey, hockey's fun, guys, as you know. Yeah. I and mean, this is all about getting people on the ice and getting them playing. And I think you know, we've been lucky in BC as well. You know, we've been able to do that. Uh, and yeah. some places across the country have had some challenges that way, even getting people on the ice. So um, I'm thankful for what we've been able to do. I'm thankful that players are playing. Um, and uh, hockey's supposed to be fun, and I can't wait to get back to it. Well, and you know, the one thing is you always have the term hockey parents, but hopefully you haven't had to deal with a lot of that and everyone's understanding. Let, let me ask you this, and I, I'm guessing the question is no, but can there be any form of, of championships come springtime um, for minor hockey? Yeah, you know, great question. Um, you know, we've specifically indicated that championships are off for this year really just to take the pressure off of the associations to try to jam in uh, schedules and to start their planning process for, you know, what is really a big undertaking. Um, so minor hockey championships within BC hockey are off for this year, but that doesn't mean we won't be able to create something depending on what the landscape looks like as we get into the spring. Um, you know, we want the players to play. We want the games to be meaningful. So we'll see how it goes as we go along. Um, but I guess if I could, uh, see the future. They they put me on that five dollar bill. There he is, <laughs> Cameron Hope. Yeah, on the five dollar bill. The uh, new head of uh, BC Hockey and uh, trying to oversee and manage what sixty thousand vocal parents. You know, mm -hmm. trying to figure out the slippery slope that is uh, minor hockey right now in a COVID world that this sport has been dealing with, Perry, since. March. Yeah, and I'm sure Cam wasn't, uh, you know, telling us everything. I'm sure they had some real issues. As did every sport when we were waiting to at least get going again. But hopefully now that the kids have kind of started and they're playing and now they see mom and dad and really uh, a lot of BC take a step back and we talk about the numbers that they go, okay, well, you know, you won't play on Saturday, but by the way, you're going to practice on Thursday and you'll be on the ice and and now it's a little bit of a break. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing, and, and it's glad to hear that at least from his viewpoint, people really adapted pretty well to what the news was Saturday, to what they have to deal with this week and next week. 8.46 here on this Tuesday morning. Some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show, and we'll do that next right here on Sportsnet 650. He will forever be an inspiration for his constant desire to learn, his kindness, 
and for his love of his family. We will air his final 35 episodes as they were shot. That's what he wanted. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. There was the opening to uh, Jeopardy last night in the uh, first show post uh, Alex Trebek. Um, the final episode to air, I believe, on Christmas Day, Pear. Is, is that when it's running? Christmas Day? Really? That was the executive producer of the show talking about Alex Trebek getting emotional. What a nice tribute by Ottawa, too, at Parliament Hill. I, I just You never think of something like that, but it just showed you how... Um, even though I don't know how many, like you grew up in Ottawa. Did he show up for events and stuff or did he just keep that Canadian tie? Although most of the time was spent south of the border. He was an Ottawa U grad. Um, I think he, I think he made cameos from time to time. Um, you know, it was, you know, I think back to, especially you go back into the mid nineties, you know, notable personalities from, from your respective area. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Brian, it's funny as much as Brian Adams, uh, you know, is owned here. Um, Brian Adams was also, you know, there was a piece of Brian Adams who was owned, uh, in in Ottawa as well. You know, Steve Eiserman got a lot of love from, from being from the area. Matthew Perry, when friends had exploded, obviously got a lot of love being from there. Alanis Morissette, but Alex Trebek got a, you know, a lot of, got a lot of love and, and having his ties um, to the nation's capital. But what they did yesterday at Parliament Hill, um, and, and we'll play it for you as uh, the bells uh, on Parliament Hill, the Peace Tower, rang um, to the theme of Jeopardy last night. Here's a, a little sample. I think a real Great sign, pair. Yeah, and I mean, like a, a real sign that he impacted a, a lot of people and, and was a fixture in a lot of households. And for 35 years, and before that, man, he was the host to Reach for the Top, host uh, hosted a show here in Vancouver at one time as well back in the 70s. Like, this guy lived a life and, and touched a lot of people along the way. Yeah, no, he really did. And he, he did it in a, a very polite Canadian way. Down in the, you know, down in Hollywood, he never lost what we like to think as citizens of this country. Just just be kind, have a nice sense of humor, a little self-deprecating and uh, never forgot. I thought it was so good and, and how appropriate now that he announced that pick for the Ottawa Center is the NHL, knowing what a fan he was of hockey and of sports. Uh, that was the best moment of the draft and one that everyone will always remember. Uh, we got to get out of here. Uh, tomorrow is Remembrance Day, um, November 11th. Uh, there's a reason why we're all wearing poppies right now. And um, you know what? Tomorrow, make sure you take some time and remember those who helped make this country as great as it is, uh, even during these difficult times. And we may not always agree these days, but you know what? I think we can all agree that we have a wonderful country and we have a great place to live. So re- make sure you take a moment and remember those who aren't here anymore that paved the way for all of us. We'll be back at it on Thursday. Thursday. The Scott Rintoul Show is coming out your way at the top of the clock. For Perry, for Greg Ballack, Mike English, Art Factor, my name is James Sabalski. Talk to you Thursday. Take care, everybody.